What's up, Max? Are you in the forest? I am, in fact, not in the forest. I am in my kitchen. But it happens that we have this forest wall. Do you have forests like thing. that in Sweden? I mean, in Finland. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I. I'd expect this to be. I don't know. Probably not from Finland, but yeah, we have forests like this. Any animals in there that can kill you? We have um, um, what you call it, mountain lions, uh, bears. Oh, they can kill you. Yep, those can kill you. Um, wolves. Yeah, wolves. Okay. We have about two hundred in Finland, I think. Snakes. Um, we have. Um, don't know what's called. It's called in English, but a black black one. Um, I don't know. You? It might be a, it might be a viper, but I'm not sure. That's that type of snake. Yeah, it can kill you. Uh-huh. Um, what else? I think that's about it. Um, not really anything else. No. Thank you for the class on the animals that can kill you in Finland. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, growing them up in Bermuda, we never had any things like that. No, yeah, lions, tigers, and bears. Oh my! Well, we ain't heard to talk about animals. We're here to talk about RC. So I think we should drop that intro. What do you think, Max? Yeah, let's go ahead. Welcome to the No Name RC Podcast. Get ready for some serious bench racing. But be warned, we speak our minds, express our thoughts, and sometimes things can get a little rowdy. Hate, and he just was influenced by the hate coming from the left, the hate coming from the right. And let's get back to more club racing and less of this money-grabbing book racing. It's hard not to be arrogant when you're always right. See what I mean? That's exactly why people call you arrogant, Max. You may not agree with everything we say, but it's definitely worth a listen. And our pick, can you stop whatever you're doing? Join your host, Lefty the Great, with co-hosts and guests as they get together to chat our city. Hey, after that race that I watched this morning, I have to talk about it. Here we go. 100 bucks right here. $100 throw. Oh, no! <laughs> I like this Yes, 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 indeed. Nitro is the glory, but e-buggy pays the bills. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Lefty. And we got, you know, we got, you know, he's his now known as the professor of everything. Yeah. You know, the arrogant one himself. Maximus Mortimus. Hello, Max. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I had... Sort of a holiday for the past two weeks. Was not at home visiting parents and my girlfriend's parents, but mm-hmm. now back home, back to school, all that nice stuff. So 
Yeah. I'm back, back to podcasting, dude. Oh, okay. Yes. Very good. Very good. Very good to have you back. Uh, thank you. This is show number 228, everybody. Uh, slowly climbing that ladder to 250. I'm sure we'll get there this year at some point easily. Um, thank you for joining us today. We want to shout out and say thank you to all of the NNRC squad around the world. We can't do it without you guys. Thank you for all the support. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for hitting that like, sub, dislike button, leaving comments, all that good stuff. Uh, I think you guys seem to enjoy the last podcast. It's been very popular on YouTube. Lots of likes, lots of comments. Keep on coming. If you're listening to this on the on an audio app, please leave a comment, leave a review. Uh, it helps us out. And if you can, please share. You know, share this. It helps us out and it, it just helps us grow. So we greatly appreciate that. Thank you to the patrons of the podcast. We greatly appreciate your support. You will get uh, early release of this podcast and uh, if you wish to be a patron, the link for that is in the written description of the podcast. And thank you to the YouTube members as well. You have the same privilege as the patron members. Um, also, thank you to these awesome companies for their support. We do have a new sponsor, uh, a new fuel sponsor. But thank you to Invisible Speed. Don't forget, everybody, Invisible Speed, March 20th, they start their uh, they start their lives, right, I believe. So it's going to be like Tebow. Ronald, uh, Badie, JQ. I think the uh, Tebow. Uh, sorry, I think JQ, Badie, and Ronald are all going to be in Spain together as well. Uh, so get in on that. They got homework. They got all that stuff. Link for that is in the written description. There's an affiliate link. Helps me out a little bit. Thank you. Uh, High Tech RC. Thank you to High Tech for all their support. Some Padal USA. Thank you to Hefty. Our new sponsor, Sidewinder Fuel, Morgan Fuels. Uh, glad to have them on board. Thank you for their support. Mayako Beach RC. Techno RC, Clinic RC, Ignite Design RC, Bringing Gas Truck Back, Racecraft USA. Shout out to Carl RC, my good friend Danny R- Danny Paz at WRC. He's been helping me out lately. House of RC, RCGP. Shout out to our NNRC drivers, David Ronafalk, Jared Tebow, Robert Batty, and Alexander Hagberg. Remember, everybody, we have links in the written description of this podcast. There's coupon codes. There's affiliate links. Some of them don't have any of that. But if you just let the people know where you bought them from, that you heard about this on the No Name RC podcast, it really helps us out. Also, uh, I want to say a shout out to some friends who aren't feeling too well. Tim Barf, keep your head up. Stu Trotter, keep your head up as well. Uh, get well. Maddie G on the men was talking to him yesterday. Uh, Joseph had a great diagnosis on the last podcast of probably why he had his spleen removed. And it's all about stock racing. And also, I wanted to shout out to uh, a fellow podcast crew. We're always at the MKGP. I just saw that a lot of them are sick from that race. So uh, shout out to the Extra Lap RC podcast. I don't think we're going to have a podcast recap of the uh, of the MKGP this weekend. So maybe next weekend. Uh, well, maybe they did it already. I don't know. Uh, we'll have to see. But they, they are sick. Maybe they did it already. I don't know. Maybe I missed it. No, because the MKGP game was this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Happy birthday to Dean Lloyd of All Out RC. That's who's working hard. Shout out to Katie Carmendi of Race Like a Girl. Her vlog from Loganville was excellent. I really enjoyed it. I watched it this morning. And uh, I want to tell you real quick about this race coming up. Uh, my buddy Jake's helping to do this at Gary's RC. Gary Stoop, he's a nice guy, big fan of the podcast as well. Talk to him. He's got a really nice uh, backyard track. And he is going to have a team race put on by TZO team race happening from September 8th to 10th. Uh, it's a pretty cool format as well. I want Max to listen to this. So it's going to be a team race. It's teams of three. And basically each driver gets 30 minutes. And then it's a combo. So whatever laps they do in 30 minutes, I think they get their own individual cars as well. 
And then whoever's driving, the other two will be pitting them, I believe, maybe turn marshalling as well. And then each driver takes a turn. And then at the end, you sum up the laps to see who wins. So each driver has to do well. So you want each one to do well. If he has an issue or he breaks or anything like that, you want to fix it and get it out there. Uh, I, I like this type of format. It's like supposed to be a fun type of race. Uh, for more information about that, uh, check it out. On, uh, I think it's, I have the link here. I'll leave the link in the written description of the podcast. It's on their Facebook. I just want to make sure it's on whose Facebook. It's on Gary's RC Racing. Uh, I'll leave the link for it in the written description of the podcast. Um, yeah, Max, uh, what's going on? Good buddy. Um, yeah, we've had some big races over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, probably, well, biggest 8K race of the year <laughs> by far. And then MKGP probably, well, and also world's warm up for, um, 10 scale worlds. Mm. Well, it wasn't a warm-up. Was it an official warm-up? I don't think so. I mean, Orlowski went. Uh, both SWEX European team drivers went. Neumann and Micha. So I, I'd i say it was a... Well, if it wasn't an official one, then... But actually, they didn't really go over there, did they? No. Did no, okay. they didn't. So, But it was... I mean, I don't think it was an official It was there's a classic, but it was... yeah. 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 I actually, I didn't watch it because that's where Maddie G got sick. So I was like, I had just got back from, you know, it was the weekend after DNC. I was like, I'm going to take a break. And then, um, yeah, I was fe- a little bit tired. I was feeling, you know, I was, when I got, I got back from DNC, I was a little bit off, you know, I'm always a little bit off when I come off flights and, you know, all that type of stuff. Anyway, you know, maybe a little bit sick. I actually went out to DNC for a little bit of a cold, fought that, came home, fought that. And then like last week, Monday, I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling good, and I'm doing stuff. And Tuesday, I'm like, oh, yeah. And then Tuesday, I'm like, oh, that doesn't feel good. And then, like, after the live of Runner Falk, like, it was like, boom, I got hit. And I don't know what it was. My wife was sick, too, when I came back, right? But I think I got what she had, or I don't know what I had. I don't know. All I know is that since last Wednesday, like, when I did the podcast with JQ, I was so sick. Even now, I'm not even... Um, From JQ or... <laughs> well, yes, he also made me sick too. But I mean, I was just not like... Like, even now, I'm not 100%. So something hit me hard, man. I don't know what it was. It could have been Nerona. It could have been flu. Who knows? I mean, yeah. all I know is that my chest was tight because it was, ah, my asthma, ah, it sucked. It sucked. And yeah. It sucked. Yeah, I was actually sick too a week ago, but luckily no. Not that bad, just a basic sort of thing. But I think it's kind of like the flu season too. Dude, it it it, it I had all this stuff planned and I was gonna do all this type of stuff and then I was like boom, nope, sit down. Yeah. Sit down. All right. Um so I I I did I did talk about JQ with JQ about DNC. Mm-hmm. We all heard that last week. He was more doom and gloom and pissing man. You know, that's JQ always after a race like this complaining and of course he was also had to tell his story and which was fine mm-hmm. we did talk about the racing and stuff like that but i wanted to talk to you a little bit more like a like just shortly on a short form basis yeah so we can geek out about it because we made some predictions and stuff like that we was completely yeah, wrong I, uh, <laughs> what did i predict Runner i think we, predi- we i think we both predicted runoff 
Well, I think we, were... we went like runner folk Mayfield Fend. That's I think what I went with. Not sure, but I think I, think I threw Cole like in there. If I'm you did you you must have been closer then. Because I can't remember. We should, we I, should I, look I, back on these. Yeah, situations. we should. Yeah, we kind of always forget unless one of us was right. <laughs> well, I know <laughs> that neither of us were right because Ronafog yeah. was not in the A main. Unfortunately, I think yeah. um, sitting at home. What was you thinking? Like, because I'm sitting there, and I'm just like, all right, he's gonna do it next round, and it just never happened. Yeah, I, I was kind of like after seeding, I was like, okay, he had some issues, whatever. Then, you know, after qualies, I was like, okay, what's going on? And then because it was like the middle of the night for me, you know, when they had, they had the qualies. Mm-hmm. So, and I had some stuff the next morning. So the first I heard it was in the new main, uh, was like Sunday evening, my time. And then like, I saw someone post like run finishing fourth in a D main. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, oh, it wasn't even fourth. It was like lower down, but. Definitely not his weekend. But overall, from watching the races later and the finals, I guess, you know, commenting more, you know, on the video side of mm-hmm. things, like in general, not just David, I think it was overall good, like uh, watching the race. You know, mm-hmm. I think I really liked um, the close up camps. That's that's something I was like, wow, that actually looked really cool. Because mm. a lot of the times, you know, the view we have online is like this camera from a driver's stand filming far away and the car goes there. Mm-hmm. You know, or then you have a still camera beside the track that barely catches the car because the car moves so fast. But the fact that they had that camera, um, I believe it was like under the driver's stand and then it was really close to the action. You can actually see like the car bounce around and you can see the body, you know, have a little bit of that, you know, light flicker uh, because there's a shiny. All of that stuff, it looked really, really cool. And because the cars look much lower, like close down, mm-hmm. I think that was also one, one thing that's really nice. So that was something I, I have never before seen, you know, in, in an RC, you know, live footage and that would look really cool so that was one thing that really stuck yeah, to my I, mind. i've seen none of the footage okay okay so you don't have an idea but i think people who watched it you know noticed mm-hmm. that because they they pretty much did so that you they would film half of the lap with the camera by the end uh, like they had two cameras at each end i think one was still or one was moving those were like a little bit higher uh, and then, oh, no, no, they had two moving cameras inside. And I think they had one moving camera on the ground level. So there was a guy mm-hmm. below the driver's stand. So it was kind of like you had the normal view of the heightened camera and the car, like filming around the track. And then in some laps, they did like this guy who filmed the front front side of the track, like the Especially that, you know, bounces and then you went into the triple. It was like really bouncy and you could see drivers pick different lines. That was definitely really cool. I think I think if that could be utilized more often, that definitely makes it it makes you feel like you're kind of in the track, like at the track watching the race. So that was a big, big plus uh, I wanted to give of the video. Do you think that's because of the the track size? Oh, 100%. Okay. You know, I, I, I'm... I'm 
I'm quite confident they hadn't really planned planned that ahead mm-hmm. of time. You know, I th- think they had like, okay, let's have you know a wire cam here, and then we have you know two moving cams like they usually do at DNC. Mm-hmm. But now because the track was just so small, they could do you know extra stuff. So I think that kind of opened up an opportunity to them. But to be honest, I think that could be you know a really good thing moving forward. It's like like effectively make one camera which could film most of the track and then another one which could film like half of the track but like really close up i think that would be really cool and i i do have to say probably the lighting was a bit better so that's probably why the footage seemed different because the track size is just so much smaller but anyway you know that was a big plus uh from watching at home and uh, you're not alone general, because I heard, uh, I got a lot of people that I talked to that watched it were like, man, it was, yeah. it was great to watch. Yeah, I mean, the the overall, you know, racing was like really good too. So that was mm-hmm. an added oh, yeah. bonus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like there was some tight race all together. So that was nice. But also the camera work was really nice. I mean, I do have some negative things to say. So <laughs> I, let's just get them, let's just rip the band-aid off. So rip it off. Number one, number one was this kind of like you can't really do anything about it, but it was really messy with the lappers, you know. The timing uh that live RC has, it's kind of hard to see where people are going. You know, it's it's good, don't get me wrong. But with um with RC racing TV's time, you can clearly see, you know, what's the gap between these guys. And because live RC has the thing where it changes. You know, it has lap time, then it has this, and then it's that. So it's like if you miss it, you don't see it. So that's one thing that, and then, you know, obviously, in normal situation, when you have a 40 second lap, it doesn't matter, you know. But here, when the lap was so short, you had so many lappers, it was kind of hard to follow at points. But okay, I'm out of their control. The one thing that is in their control, uh, or at least should be in their control is a schedule. It's so fucking annoying to be like, hey, the main is gonna be at like 5 a.m. or maybe 4 a.m. or maybe 6 a.m. I don't really know. I, I'm a count these, you know, I have to count like 20 races and see like what time I end up with. So why? Why can't they have, you know, like the pro main starts at like this time plus minus, you know, 30 minutes? Like at least like because for the race organizer, they will have to know like when they will end, you know, because they have like they have to sort of have an idea of that. So why can't they just make sure that the A main, you know, is then and make a schedule? And because for the viewer... Like, there's no point in just watching all of the mains. I've never done. Maybe some people do, but I've never watched, like, all of the mains and then, like, waited for the A, unless I was doing, like, wrenching and then it was in the background. But that is definitely something for all the other big American races. It's like you can quite accurately predict the A main is going to be at, like, five, you know? And even better it would be making just a schedule. It's going to help your job too, you know? You know, with mains, you need, you know how much time you need between mains and you know how long the main's going to be. It's not that hard to make a schedule, even on Excel, you know? 
you don't even need the software to do it. Just use an Excel file and do it. And then just post it online. Okay, now I'm done with my negatives. And that's that's about the camera work. Can we now move on to the nerding out about the actual race? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got to watch it uh, firsthand. Yeah. I, I watched I watched um, uh, quite a lot of the racing uh, of the higher mains. It, it was really cold out there. I'm not going to lie. It was like... Yeah, it looks cold. That, Standing out there in that cold, like, um, but you had to go out there early to like get a space and, yeah. you know, uh, yeah, that must have been difficult too. So small track, so you have less, you know, like, viewing. Space. Oh, dude, like a lot of people saw me up on this driver stand, I would just go up there, but like, I'm used to it at DNC. I usually go so, like, for the big track, I go up on the timing booth and I go right mm-hmm. in the corner, but I go yeah. up there about like intermediate heat three and then yeah. wait. And it's like, I'm up there for like an hour before anybody just, you know, because everyone wants to come up for the pro mains. Um, yeah. I I kind of, I, I liked it. It was it was like, hey, I'm just happy we was racing. It made for great racing. It made for shocking racing. Like, uh, yeah. I saw, you saw these guys make so much mistakes. It made for ebb and flow. I mean, I mean, in the main, when it started out, I thought like, oh, wow, fans going to walk away with it, right? Then like 10 minutes later, or something like that. Tebow's in second. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Yeah. I catching him. And I'm looking at this in cr- no way. Yeah. It was it was really crazy because you know it was like in the beginning, you was watching it like, okay, it's gonna be a Mayfield fence show. Then like 30 minutes in, there's like four guys within five seconds or something. That was insane. I was like, wow. And it, in in some like I think this type of track really promotes that. Like people don't get that big of a gap mm-hmm. unless one guy just like breaks out in the beginning because then it's really hard to catch. But as long as you can see the guy in front, it's really like easy to keep track and keep your pace. So you're just yeah, always that, in traffic. Always. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that definitely always was traffic. a big, big issue. You I know, mean, they then, even went down to 12 cars, but I think they should have just went down to 10 really. Oh, dude, it was, um, and then, like, near the end, you can see the fight that, like, Mayfield was trying to get around Fan, and then he finally got mm-hmm. around Fan, and then that was it. Like, that's when he kind of walked away yeah. with it, and, and Fan was trying to catch him. Uh, the Truggy main was good, too, man. Uh, it was a very, like, Tasman had I, to fight. I, yeah, I, that, I have to admit, that one I didn't watch. But I, like, I think it was a bit of a surprise that Tasman ended up taking it. Dude, I, I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, Tasman looked good all weekend. Like he I did, picked him yeah. to win. When JQ and I sat out there, I said, "JQ, I think Tasman's gonna win this." And he says, "You know what? I pick him too, because his car yeah. looked so good in his second qualifier." And I was yeah. like, "And then in Truggy, he looked really good." And I was like, "Yeah, he's gonna, he's gonna, you know, he's he's got the bit in his mouth." But yeah, he just kind of. He was not out of those guys. I don't think he was ever in the hunt for the first place. I think he kind of yeah. got into a he got, third he, and fourth and stayed yeah. there. He he didn't really have that good of a you know first half of the main, and then he kind of dropped out. Or fight. I think, yeah, I think Tess, Tessman is the type of driver who usually is pretty good when it's bumpy. Like you remember that race at um, SCRC where mm-hmm. him and Rivkin was fighting. And, you know, Rivkin was, like, really fast, but then he just kept making mistakes. And Tessman just kept doing the same mm-hmm. lap. That was, like, the most 
screwed up track I've ever seen. Like so bumpy, so like blown out dusty. Oh no, yeah, it was awful. And Tesman was really good at that because he he's really good at just keeping his pace, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think this kind of type of track just like here, it was kind of like there wasn't no line. There just wasn't a line. You just went through the bumps, whichever like line you cho- chose to be the best, and then hope you didn't crash. Kind of track. Um, so I think that like that's where Tesman is really good because he can keep his pace up around the corners, no matter if it's bumpy or whatever. And whereas Fend, like I was quite surprised he did as well as he did because it like. His car was clearly the most like aggressive. It was like every time he hit a bump, it like bounced off a bit or something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I I think his car like if there was a clean line, he would have absolutely dominated. But there really at some points, you know, there just wasn't a good line. And I think that's why Tesman should have been better in the buggy main than he was. But he ended up winning the truggy, and he looked. The bit I watched of it, I, I, I watched like a clip of it, uh, mm-hmm. and he he looked really really solid, and he did all the wide lines, you know, wide line tripling in the front, you know, all that. So, especially for Truggy, that was good. But yeah, I, I think in like I'd written down some of my takes here. So to me, like Mayfield just freaking, I don't know what he what it is, but like when it's a Joey Bill track. He just always succeeds. Like, I think it's just, I, I don't know, maybe maybe it's that um, he he's, I don't know if he's home track, but he used to practice quite a bit at the Fear Farm or in Arizona because he lives there. But also I think this race has been his, like, favorite. I don't know if it's favorite race, but the one he usually does really, really good at. So changing of brand still wins it. That's pretty good. I, I got to say, though, if it wasn't a big track, I would have picked Fend or Tesman over Mayfield. Like, I'm pretty certain that he wouldn't have gotten it if it wasn't for the small track. So he might have gotten lucky in that one. But obviously, it, that's if and that's only an if, you know, if we were. Man, I did not pick Mayfield. Like, going into the main, like, I nothing that I saw from him throughout that weekend was like, I think he's going to win this, you know, but yeah. that's what he does. Like, you know, I think that's what yeah, he's doing a lot of lately, you know? That's the thing that's a little bit annoying, but at the same time, really amazing at Mayfield is the fact that he didn't look good at any point of the main. It just didn't look like he, the car didn't look good. His driving didn't look like he was any way superior to Fend or uh, the other guys behind them. Like, at one point, it looked like, yeah, Tebow's looking really solid and he's going to take it. Fend looked like super fast, maybe a little bit too many mistakes. And But the thing was that Mayfield just kept going, kept putting those laps in. And in the end, when he needed, he pushed a bit. Fend made a mistake and then Mayfield got it, you know. So it's just like, it's, and I don't know if it's racecraft. It's, I think it's just like mental strength, you know, like, he has this. He has enough speed to stay there, and then he just like wears the others out, and he's the last one standing there. I think that's like why he always ends up on the top top spot. And yeah, because yeah. that was he. I mean, he he had to he had to grind that out. 
You know, that wasn't. Yeah, that, that wasn't like, you know, domination yeah. like the few years prior to this. And I'm, I'm not saying like his car sucked, obviously. No, no, no. But have, it was just. He that... must have, he must have like, he obviously was fine with the car and he knew what he needed to do to win because he ended up winning. But I'm just saying like, it didn't seem like he had an easy, easy thing going, but he just lasted it out better than everyone else. Yeah, I, I would say that. that. I would agree with that. Yeah. All right. Um, you have heard the Mayako struggle. We can be touched on DR flopping. Let's yeah. touch on I we, we geeked out on Tebow last week. Obviously, JK wanted to talk about Tebow a lot. Yeah. Uh very impressed with him. Uh thought, I am he, was, too. thought he was like, going to yeah. I had him From, fifth. He finished fifth, but I had him fifth yeah. going in this, but I did not think he would get up to the back of Fen chasing him down. Oh and looking yeah. like he looked. I'm like, oof. Yeah, there was a point in the race. I think it was like 15, 17 to 15 minutes to go. He was in second and he was like, I, I was like, no, no, serious, it was like, earlier than that. It was like, if this happened where you're talking about, it happened um, about, I would say, maybe around the 15 minute mark. No, no, it was later on. It was like, no, uh, later it was on. Over he, halfway he, through. he lost maybe. the brakes. He lost the rear brake. Okay, yeah, maybe I'm maybe I'm lost on time, but he he kind of, you know, he got up to second at that point, and yeah, he looked really good, and then he just started, you know, he lost the brakes and started making mistakes. Yeah, it was like like, he he was lingering around third to fifth until like mm -hmm. the mid race. Then after like twenty minutes or so, he got up to second, uh, and then like a bit under twenty minutes to go, he. I think he had a mistake and then he started slowly dropping down. And um, no, I, I, I mean, I guess it's like you guys talked about it, but he lost his rear brake. Um, and that's what, you know, really, really made him hurt. So that's a big, you know, what if uh, story. But I mean, I have to say I was surprised because going into the race, um, and talking, like knowing, like David obviously was very comfortable with the car um, or already last year. He had, he's had, like, he has a solid setup. Then Robert, he's been testing quite a bit. Uh, he's done it good at this race before. He's running hard race, which should be pretty good at this track. So I was like, okay, those two guys should be, uh, should be pretty solid. Obviously with David, it proved out the tires went the best, <laughs> best one once for this race. So some homework for him. Um, but Tebow, I was kind of like, I was a bit hesitant because I, ha I have sat, chatted with him, you know, about setup. Uh, I've heard from uh, like Joseph and those guys who have talked with him that, you know, he, he doesn't, he hasn't felt really comfortable with the car yet. Like he's felt comfortable at times, but he doesn't have that, you know, he, he's in, he isn't into the car yet. You know, he doesn't have his personalized setup. So I didn't think like he could make a run like that, but he ended up doing it. I was like positively really surprised. So that's obviously a really good sign for the year coming because I mean, I don't know. I don't remember Tebow having a run like that in a while. So that's, that's really nice. To see. I think he, he probably not happy with his result, but oh, his yeah. pace, the end, yeah. that, his that's pace was point. impressive. Exactly. Yeah. His pace was the, impressive. The, the, the thing like, I like the fact that I'm 
I'm having a moment where I'm like, Thibaut could actually win this watching a race. Like, that's something I haven't had in a while. Obviously, I've been in a situation where I'm like, Thibaut is looking fast. But, like, at the 45-minute final and being like, oh, Thibaut could actually win it when Mayfield and Fend are still in it. That was, to me, like, looks good. So I hope he ke- can keep it up. I hope he's, you know, getting in terms with the calm on. Yeah. But overall, I got to say, not a great weekend for Mayako. Definitely no. not a great weekend. And not a great weekend for the Euros. Yeah, that that's what, what I had here next, that only two Europeans in a final. And were if you would have told me that, it would have been Reno Savoya and Yal Figueredo. Yeah. Been like, <laughs> yeah. Like those are the guys I would have pre- predi- uh, predicted to be the worst of the Europeans. But those are the only two guys in the main. Canas, Barufalo, Batia, and uh, Ron Falk, none of these guys made it. Um, and yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of crazy. Like, obviously, um, obviously, mm. you know, that I, I have to say this because it is true. The race was like the, the small track, slow speed, 180s, jumps. That's like an American track, American track if I ever seen one. So they definitely went in. And then also the amount of practice, like you had three qualifiers on the track, that was it. And then you went to the main, you got muddy, the track changed every time, all of that stuff, you know. So definitely not favoring the Europeans. But still, I got to say, not a good showing for the Europeans uh, this time around. Dude, I watched JCC during his like second buggy qualifying. Yeah. It was like a meltdown. Just like yeah. I don't know how that that engine survived. Um yeah. but let's oh you said no S works in the main. That was something too. Joe went home sick early. Yeah, okay. So, so maybe he could have been in there. He could have made it, but to be honest, they had a decent team and then I think they had Canas was in the B and that was pretty much it. You know, mm-hmm. like that was, and yeah, that was, that was a big surprise because S works has kind of been booming this year. They have lots of new drivers. They have, you know, um, the chassis to do the distribution now, I believe. So they have like a lot of things going. I don't, I don't think B chassis does distribution, but at least they are like a big hobby shop, like pushing them anyway, like they are kind of booming. And then, the biggest race of the beginning of the year, no cost in the main. Sending a driver from Europe, I believe he didn't make it last year. Like he didn't. He wasn't. He didn't go there. last year. Yeah. Um, so that this was like to be fair. To be fair. To be fair. Mayako didn't have anyone in the main either after qualifying. Yeah, after qualifying, that that is true. But they, at least they got the guy from the B. So. <laughs> At least uh, you can say something. Um, let's move on to. But yeah, the, to be honest, both, real quick, both both brands had a not so good weekend. I would say, so. yeah. Uh, then Kyoshno, one brand that had, yeah. Well, actually, had, JCC came second in Ibagi. Okay, yeah, yeah. It was a okay. great race too. That is that race. is true. That is it was true. A great race. So. Uh, Kyosho, oh my gosh! If you would have told me that it would have been three Kyoshos in this main. Also, I want to say something that these guys were so Lutz and and uh, Lutz and Savoy on AKA and uh, Figueredo is on Proline, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm telling you, like the whole shot, I'm because I watched and I the whole shot, 
four uh m4 was money like it was yeah, the tire and i asked y'all I, I messaged y'all the other day it's like dude what tire did you run in the main whole shot m4 i was like i know yeah. uh aka that's probably there's good gridirons too or whatever that and also, was, yeah that so, was definitely a old school american dirt track you know west coast american dirt track that's what we're like the aka and proline have the heyday kind of like right Gridiron, Super Soft, and M4 shots. Those two, like, must have been. Maybe you know what was weird? You know what was weird? It was weird watching the guy Prez, who works for AKA, yeah. in an AKA shirt, like AKA clothes, giving out tires out of the Proline truck. Yeah, that, that was that is so weird. weird. Um, I, I, I need to. It's crazy, this. actually. Uh, this is this is a big tangent, but it was crazy when if like. Let's say 2014 Worlds, where you know that was like half of the top guys were running like AKA, half of the top guys were running, you know, um, Proline, and then there were like those few J Concepts guys like Mayfield and yeah, so on. I don't, I can't remember if if others were in the main running J Concepts, but you know, AKA and Proline were the big brands, and th- those were like we were like, oh, which one is better? Those were competing. If if someone told you then, oh yeah, Horizon is gonna buy those two and they're gonna probably merge at some point, you would have been like, shut up, <laughs> it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't know, but I heard Greg and some other guys talking about it that I think they've come up like with a, a compound that's in between those two. Like they use some of the Proline compound with the AKA, AKA Proline comp- compound, sorry, and made some hybrid type of compound. I don't. I heard this like just over while I was busy doing work. I have to confirm this with Greg. I'm I'm probably wrong, but some new compound or some I don't know. I have to I have yeah. to I have to ask around. Uh, you want to talk about the, yeah. let's talk about the Kyosho tra- cars real good. Uh, bumpy track specialist, you have her. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was they were great. Yeah, I think I I, I think it's a. I, I'm starting to see a pattern where, and I've talked about this with Joseph a lot of times. Every time it's bumpy, the Kyosho drivers do good. It's Finland, we have this really fast kid who drives Kyosho. And every time it's bumpy, he does really well. Mm. Um, and uh, that's like a Finnish anecdote. And then in Europe, the same thing. Like the Euros in Sweden in 2017, like that was like a Kyosho. Like all the Kyosho drivers did really well. Obviously, Boots didn't end up winning, but like in general, the Kyosho drivers did well. And then in in Worlds in Vegas 2016, same thing. Every time it's like semi low grip, low speed, bumpy. That's like the best, absolute best. Or if it's just like super blown out, then seems like they have a good thing going. And I think okay. it's just like if you look at where Kanas. Uh, not can uh, Kanai tests his cars. If you look at those Japanese tracks, that's what Joseph said. Yeah, like that's what we that's what he we discussed too. Like Kanai always tests his tracks, like uh, tests his cars at tracks that are seem just like fucking dump yard. You know, <laughs> it's just like a someone's built a track on on some ancient road somewhere that, that there's like a few jumps that throw you to the sky. So obviously, you know, you get a quite good idea of having the most challenging conditions and still making your car work. So there must be something to it, I think. Okay. Well, Mike Sorchi will be excited to hear that. Who is that? 
he is like the biggest Kyosho fan in the world. Oh, he, yeah. Well, I still think in the big in the big picture, there are many things that could be better within the car <laughs> and within the brand. All right, so, well, not, don't get, don't get too excited. Uh, let's go on to your big picture note. You had some some mm-hmm. last final here that we talked about as well. Weather has been a major issue since moving to Paris. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I, I didn't really get to explain why I felt like this too much, but I just wanted to re- reiterate. If this is going to be this great big spectacle, spectacle, mm-hmm. uh, spectacle of a race that it is, and with the amount of money that is invested in these races by the companies and by the racers that come there, and then vendors, uh, I think this race, in order for it to be worthwhile, has to be in good weather, right? And we have to have good weather, hundred percent, yes. because. Uh, the one thing that lacked was that atmosphere. Yes, we got the racing. I, I've said this before, right? But it's important. It's important. I've talked to many vendors, you know, all that type of stuff. And this is what makes this this race great. You know, having that atmosphere, having the European drivers there, having this big track or having this. If it gets closed up and it gets in this and we keep getting it rained out, people, excuse me, that's a loud bike outside there. Uh People just aren't going to come. Like, I mean, lots of Europeans mm-hmm. are talking about not coming and and stuff like that now, especially after some of the stuff that's happened. And that's going to slowly. The reason I like this race is because of the Europeans that go there. Right. And exactly. this is the and one race that we can go to and see this. Yeah. And that's exactly what I wanted to sort of go into here is that the, the camera work is getting better every year. The branding of DNC, the dirt, it's good. The track design, Joey does, is good. He has his own facility now, all that. But if the racing itself is not improved, which it hasn't been, every year there's the same issues. Very low amount of track time, very long days. Um, and then, you know, the inconsistencies. I mean... The watering issues existed already when it was in Phoenix, like watering just before the pro heats. So if you just have a bad seating, you're going to get fucked uh, because you run in the first heat. Uh, This year, David struggled with it. But in previous years, others have struggled with it. And it's not like like this hasn't been discussed before. Uh, And I, I mean... I think we even said before we started that I don't think it would have done much difference for David if, if he hadn't seen it in the first heat. He did end up having just a terrible weekend altogether. But in my opinion, just the fact that there isn't a proper watering schedule, that's one thing, okay? So that that's one thing. But in Phoenix, it wasn't that big of an issue because it ended up being dry for the most week, most part of the weekend and the track stayed rather consistent. Now, since it moved to Paris in 2019, um, first year, the original track flooded, so he had to change the location, build a smaller track. Second year, you missed uh, practice because it rained. Third year, you missed practice and almost missed qualifying because it rained. You only ran two qualifiers. Um, or one seating and two qualifiers or whatever it was. And now this year, you had to change the track to a smaller location so it would be under covers. I have to give, you know, 
thumbs up on Joey on the fact that he has been able to handle the situation when he's been, you know, faced with difficulties. But after four years at this venue and not a single smoothly ran event due to weather, there must be some changes, okay? Because here's the thing in the end. This race has been dubbed the unofficial world championships. You know, that's what I've been hearing from, especially the American crowd. Scotty says it always on, on the stream. If this is the unofficial world championships, it, to me, it's a bit in like unacceptable that people, first of all, have to come he, come to California early because in most parts of the world, you can't practice during the winter. You spend almost a thousand on flights. You spend a lot on hotels because it's in California. It's expensive. You practice for a week. You get ready for this race. Most, in, like most of the time, you barely get any practice. If you do, you might get one round in. Uh, you barely get any qualifiers. Uh, if, it's, if you're lucky, you get three qualifiers. Most of the time, it seems less than that. And then in the main day, it's kind of like you have to race all, all the way to the night. Um, and you haven't raced your buggy for two days. So it's it's kind of like you spend a whole lot of money. Oh, and forgot to say you have to spend like 360 on entries or something. I don't know. Or 450 at this point. But a lot of money on entry. You basically have to spend close to 2000 uh, going to this race. Um, or even more, depending on how long you stay before the race. So you have to spend 2000 approximately to, the, to go to this race. Uh, if your team is sending five guys, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of money. And then you have no guarantee of, first of all, actually getting a race. Well, okay, you have a guarantee of getting a race, but you have no guarantee of getting equal level playing field for everyone. You have no guarantee of uh, actually getting a smoothly run race where, you know, you have a schedule, everything works smoothly. So you effectively play a coin toss at some points of spending that money and then hoping everything goes nicely. You don't have any DNFs and so on. And uh, you end up winning and getting good marketing, you know? So from just a strict, strict like business perspective, if the race tastes like this, I would definitely not go to this race because for a business they don't give a shit about, oh, it has a nice atmosphere, you know? Yes, it has a nice atmosphere, but it's going to lose most of its prestige and respect of having, well, being the unofficial world championships if it's not worth the money to go to. It's going to be that old club race like it was back in the day when it was in Hammett originally, you know? A big club race for the West Coast people. I don't think it's going to go that bad. I think Joey will understand the situation and try to figure something out. But, you know, that's kind of the doom and gloom we can have for this podcast. But I think that was just something I wanted to bring up because, like, I don't think, in my opinion, I don't see this race as something I should actually go to, you know, at the current state. Like, 
I'd rather go to, you know, I don't know, maybe AMS or some race in the south because, like, the risk of getting rained out is so high. If it was back in Phoenix, I think that would improve it a lot. I don't. I, I didn't have any issue with it when it was in Phoenix because you just didn't have that many, you know, issues. Obviously, there was some things I'd still fix, but I think the weather, the worry of the weather, has definitely put a big asterisk on on this race. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that's fine. I think Joey understands that. I'm sure he's heard that quite a lot over the last couple of weeks. So we shall see. But yeah, I mean, and even from the average racer that spends his own money to go to this event, and then he doesn't get that full DNC feel. For sure. I I, I 100% agree with that, that for the guy who goes there to race, there isn't as much value. But Let's put it like, let's put it bluntly. Most people go there because they want to have fun. You know, they want to hang out mm-hmm, with their friends mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So, like for them, there is still something. You know, there are yes. still activities there. But for those who go there just to race and just to market their brand, um, it's it, like I doubt S-Works and S-Works is happy about that, that weekend. You know, like. Mayako definitely isn't happy for other reasons that I mentioned. And, uh, yeah, I don't think, like, X-Ray definitely aren't sending European guys there anymore. Mm-hmm. So And mm-hmm. Omaro isn't going anymore. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would agree there. I would agree there. Okay, um, real quick, and then we're going to wrap this up on DNC because we kind of went overboard on this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but this is a part, apparently a part of that MOA, MAL, MAL, uh, the outdoor. Ma, yeah. Yeah, the mid the mid outdoor, whatever. Look, I, I don't know. I should know, right? Anyway, we're division tracing. No, it's mid America outdoors. Mid American outdoor. That's what it was, right? Yeah. So. Next on this on the on the list is the Lone Star race, right? In Texas yeah. at Thornhill. I really hope. I hope that all the top pros go to this race. I hope they do. Yeah. I and I hope too. they I hope they go to this and they hope they go to Silver State and I hope they all go to Vision. Now I would like to go to the Vision's race. I think it'd be a great race to attend. You know, it's a little difficult, but I, I would like to go. And I hope that the companies send the top pros to Thornhill. I hope they do. I hope they do. Oh, 100%. Yeah, that's definitely huh. All right, enough about that. We have to move on to some RC news, but we have to pay some bills before we do that, Max. So, you know, one of our prime sponsors of this podcast is Available Speed. In fact, they are the title sponsor, and they have their lives coming up here soon. Uh, You should sign up now, get in on all the lives and all that good stuff. And, you know, we have a link for that in the written description of that podcast. And I really like JQ's video ad for this. So for those of you listening to this on the audio side of things, this is the invisible speed European ad that doesn't work anymore.
Variety Max. Also, the RC News is brought to you by High Tech RC, who is celebrating the 50th year of operation. That's a long time to be in operation. They just signed one of our good friends, the Viking, David Ronnefalk. He went on a nice tour of the facility. Uh, they were at DNC. I got to hang out with Mike Mabry. Uh, High Tech has been very good to me here at the NNRC, so I greatly appreciate the support. It was good to be out there. They look sharp. It was High Tech everywhere, dude. Like The tents look great. They had swag and all. They had product on display. They all headed out to the RCX um, Expo this weekend, so I wish them all the luck. Check them out. They have uh, so a new charger out in stock. It's the RDX2 1000 ACDC dual port charger. With a discharging power supply, it has a sleek modern design with easy transport handle. The AD RDX2 1000 powerhouse is the charger you need to charge all your high capacity battery packs at a rapid rate. The dual output port, the dual outports each offer 20 amps of power simultaneously, simultaneously to charge two batteries. Also, check out the analyze and discharger. Uh, street price of this is $279.99 for the charger, $149.99 for the um for the this the an, the battery, sorry, the analyzer and discharger. And you can go to www.hitech where to buy uh to find this. I believe A Man will have them in, but uh if you do buy them, just let them know that you heard about it on the no name RC podcast. So thank you to High Tech for all the support. We greatly appreciate it. And uh they helped us get to uh the um dnc all right max so we do have some questions here i'm just shutting down some stuff here it's, i've got too many too many pages open and a loud bike out there again and he just uh he just he is just leaving so i think i want to start out with the news that kind of got people rocking this weekend was that the aka clay slicks have been chosen as the spec tire for the upcoming 2023 IFMAR World Championships. And of course, that starts the whole, why do we need spec tires? And, da, 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 da. and that, that was the biggest one. And no, Max, there's no saucing going to be allowed. I was listening to the Extra Lap podcast and Jake Thayer was on there. He was talking about the Desert Classic and there will be no saucing allowed. Really? Whatsoever. No. Okay, so that, that was my first question because I... I briefly saw the news today. Didn't have time to fully catch up on the thing, but I saw they you'd be having, you know, uh, AK slicks as the spec tire. So first of all, to anyone who says, "Why do we have to have spec tire?" I don't remember the last time the IFMA World Championships didn't have a spec tire. I, I know that's what people fail to realize sometimes when they're yeah. like, "Oh, what do you mean like, a spec tire?" I'm like, "Well, this this is normal for that." Yeah, that, for, this, for this has been. This has been a thing for the European Championships and the IFMA World Championships in 10 scale off-road for as long as I raced RC, and that's, what, almost 15 years now. So, yes, I, I don't, I don't I think, think that's I think the only, a valid question. I think the only World Championship that may not have a tire a spec tire is the eight scale off road World Champions Nitro off road World Champions. I'm not sure about could the on road on road foam classes. I'm I'm not absolutely sure. I think but eight scale eight scale off road is like one where tire game is a big one still. Yeah. Um, and 
I am a big advocate for getting rid of that. You know, you're, you're traveling across the world, five, six companies sending tires across the world, more than half of which will never be used just so they might have the right one for the race. That's not effective, you know, not, not definitely not effective. Also, also I wanted to touch on something was then came the complaints of slicks on off road because obviously Mm -hmm. I think to outside of Americans who are, who are used to this and this is what happens on this type of clay, the probably the other, you know, I definitely know you guys don't have anything like this in similar to this in Europe, maybe in Australia or something like, I don't know, but that started a whole bunch of cries, but I want to talk more about the tire. Like, okay. So look, off road is off road. It's got jumps. It's dirt. Just because it doesn't now, does it need to be offered to have dirt? Because you have carpet with jumps. So it's offered. Let's just say anything. Yeah, I think. Or leaves uh, the ground is offered. Except you might flip. Yeah, I think, think, you know, it's silly to say, oh, spec tire, because obviously, yes. And I think it's a bit silly to, you know, even argue against the slicks. So, if you look at any American race, uh, they always run slicks at this point. They either, they round down their, um, what you call those? Uh, what, what Run on to dirt, dirt, Yeah, dirt webs, they ground out so that it's co- ghost thread or whatever they call it. They do that because the carcass is softer and thinner than on the official slicks. The manufacturers do manufacture slick tires, but they aren't as fast as the ground down thread, uh, tire with originally having a thread. So the people put it onto a fucking drill and dremel it so off. So here's the big thing stupid. about this. Here's the big thing about this. And I was listening to this on the actual lab podcast. <laughs> uh, you they, seem so excited. I want to. Yeah, because it. it was it was good to sit off and just chill out and li- and. And I do listen to podcasts, but like chill, no fast forward, just chill and listen to it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. I heard that you need sauce at this track. I heard that this track changes yeah. so much. And and Aiden asked these same questions. And I guess they, I would assume that they tested the, do they? I, I don't know how this process works, but I assume they test probably the best tire they can find to work without having sauce. Well, to, to be honest, uh, to be honest, dude. It's if more, so they definitely. But but I think is it up to this the host? Testing. Isn't it up to the host track? Because it sounded like they no not all not always. It's okay. Like I I if if I expect that Hobby Action actually did test the tires and they chose. Oh, he said they, they did. Had. Yeah oh, yeah. I I'm not saying Hobby Action didn't do it that part, but it's just if more. They don't they don't give a shit what Hobby Action do. But I think Hobby Action, you know. They did test the tires, and this probably was the best one out of the one they tested. But I do still have many doubts because if sourcing is banned, they are gonna it's be. It's gonna be like people are gonna try to sneak in there because it, it's a huge. It must be a huge difference on that type of clay because they always source on that type of clay. If it was like CRC, RC. That type of race, where it's like super, you know, grippy, glued up surface, then maybe not that big of a deal. 
But Hobby actually is one of those tracks still left with which has that kind of slippery surface, you know, it's mm-hmm. not that mm-hmm. hard packed and so on. It's a little like slimy. So it's got yeah, it's gonna be like those it's gonna, it's gonna be, gonna be like it's gonna be like the 2013 Euros where they had you know a gated section where you could only glue the tires and then before your heat you had to go in there put the tires on and then go on the track you didn't you couldn't even have the tires in your pit and there was a guy guarding the space so yeah every well, time you run a threaded tire or especially if you run a slick tire sourcing is going to be a thing and then you know what's going to happen this was happened in in at the euros in 2013 So people have cleaner because you have to clean the tire somehow. So what happened is they were like in the warm up, people brought their own cleaner or something, and they were like people were obviously bringing in sauce and saucing tires. I don't know if that happened actually or if that was what they guessed. But at the Euros, they had control tire cleaner. They had simple green, which you could only use to clean the tire bead before gluing. Well, what people did is they were like started accidentally like putting simple green on the tire so then they were like well we can't control if you're just sloppy so they were like fuck it spray spray simple green on your tire all you want you know so people were like using all the simple green that was reserved for people actually cleaning the bead before gluing but they were just using as additive which doesn't work it doesn't really help you maybe the first lap but that's it so yeah all i'm saying is it that it's I'm expecting it to be a shit show. I am well, hoping no, to be, no. well, I hope maybe to in be that surprised. Sense, I hope I, to be I, pleasantly well, surprised. Well, they seem to I listen to him and he seems to have like he's like, no, we're gonna do it like he they're very set on being very professional about it. I know what you're saying yeah. with the so they talked about that. They said, What about cleaning? You could only clean with water. Uh you can only um you can you have to clean with motor spray, like I, Think you? Yeah, but the I don't thing know is, if... as soon as someone can bring their own can of liquid in there, that's that. Then you're in trouble. Because I don't know how all that do, works. That's yeah. Above my but I I hope the guy who who is responsible for this, you know, actually like does very like thinks of the stupidest absolute way to cheat, like someone bringing in a Coke bottle and accidentally spilling it on their tires, you know, shit like that. Like, absolutely, like, make it dumb strict. You know, make it absolutely stupid, and then you're safe, you know. But if you if you leave, like, some inter- interpretation there, like, definitely don't let people bring their own shit in there. Glue and glue and tire bands and actually don't let them bring anything in there the tires are sold in there you get you can use the glue that the race organizer provides you can use the towels that the race organizer provides that's it you can't bring anything in there no liquids no spray nothing you know mm-hmm. you can have a phone yeah but like nothing that could be interpreted as additives and have it as like secured, gated, and then, you know, have a separate section where you put on the tires before your heat. And that's where you make it certain. But there's, every time you run an indoor race under control tires and no sourcing, there are huge, like huge risks of someone cheating. 
and so, their benefits. So the can answer be is just to have a controlled source or allow it. Simple. Yeah, uh, my my in my mind, the easiest way would be just to have a control source, because when you have a control, people source, will still cheat there, though. No, listen to this, because this is the thing. When you have a control source, often enough, when everyone is running the same tire and the same source, when you have a different source, what happens is that rubber rubber handles in a different way, so it's not as grippy. But when everyone has the same source, same uh, rubber, it sticks to the ground in the same way and you know all that. Obviously some sources might still work and be actually better, but it, it is less of a chance uh, that for that happening. We shall see. It's going to be interesting. And uh, also the difference between a good source and a like mediocre source, it's not that big as not sourcing and sourcing, you know? Well, speaking of sourcing, uh, Josh Cyril, uh, Cyril, Josh Cyril, he, uh, he had a live the other day talking about sourcing, the dangers of sourcing. He's like making drag tires and some of the sauce out there is eating his tires and then he uh went on to talk about how over the years in rc industry he thinks from the saucing and graphite dust and all stuff he's had serious nasal issues and there's people that have cancer oh, 100%. So oh, 100%. he had a whole live about that uh so yeah that maybe no saucing is also the safe way too i don't know um, oh 100 this that's 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 what i've always been saying that you shouldn't source uh, but the thing is that, like, the easiest solution is just run on surfaces where you have, where you have to run spec tire that has pins, because then sourcing doesn't help you that much, mm-hmm. because the pins will just fold more. Uh, but yeah, hundred percent on the health issues, the carbon dust, all that shit, uh, and definitely the sourcing is not healthy for you. I would say that nitro fumes inside of a building too would hurt you. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, nitro, but I don't. I don't think nitro is. Well, it's definitely bad. There's so much oil in there, so much shit. You know. So <laughs> anyway, um, that's. But that's okay, I want to. I want to make it clear. I have. I. I'm, I'm actually quite confident that Hobby Action will do it properly. Looking at all their previous races, their venues, I don't. My doubts aren't from <laughs> towards Hobby Action. I'm just saying these conditions. Somebody's gonna try to cheat. Somebody's gonna yeah. try to cheat. Yeah. Somebody. The thing is, like, these th- like this is something that seriously needs to be taken account for. And even if it's taken account for, like in Sweden, it was a huge drama. But the simple grid, like people were like getting mad and all that. So. Oh, I could imagine. Yeah. So I, RC relations get mad fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, RC nerds yeah. going wild. Yeah. So uh, nothing, uh, nothing against Hobby Action, and I have no idea what they're actually doing. But I'm just saying this as you know what could happen. Okay. So don't hate on me. I'm just. I'm don't sure shoot the messenger. Okay. Uh, yeah. Don't shoot Max. Uh, speaking of this race, uh, Rivkin swept the Desert Classic. Great win for him. I, I did, like I said, I didn't watch it. Oh man, like I think this is gonna be. You know what, Max? I'm gonna be straight up with you. Uh, you want my honest opinion? Yeah. And I'm gonna be honest with you. I think the Europeans stand no chance at this race. Really? Yeah. Wasn't where did okay? Let uh, let me talk something and I'll I'll get the results. So. I I mean I just I think it's gonna be a very difficult race for him. I wonder if these guys are practicing on the on on those tires, but they didn't know. Nobody knew at that time what they were. But 
I don't know. If 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 guys do well, it's gonna be guys that have run maybe like um Reedy Race at OCRC, maybe like a runner folk, mm-hmm. uh Yorns, those type of guys. Uh mm-hmm. so we shall see. We shall see. Also, um it's gonna be interesting. You <laughs> so you did you find results? Because I kind of I don't understand why is it so hard to find results. What are you looking at? I'm trying to find the results, but just all right. I, well, I, I'm, I'm 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 not doing it the the old way, just finding from the okay. Uh, what well, I, I think with Rivkin being so close to this track and and Mayfield being so close to this track and this just being on a type of surface that Americans only race on, I think. Yeah, of course. I think the Europeans, I think, I don't know. It, it's weird though. Like what if guy, like a guy like Coelho comes over and is like, Oh, this is nothing. You know? And he's like, okay. You know? So I got the results. Okay. So, um, let me actually share a screen so we can okay, let's share this together. Um, I don't know. Yeah, what I'm, if like I'm, somebody like Ongaro just like you? If you were to tell me Ongaro would have been battling for the two wheel drive championship, yeah. So this is four wheel drive. Rivkin won. Champlin second. Horn third. Sontag fourth. Sontag's and Fend. I don't know what happened to Fend actually. No, I have no clue. Mayfield in the B, Tessman in the B, Cavalieri in the B, Neumann Whitmire in the B, Lee in the C. And yeah, so I got to say it's a bit weird. two-wheel drive. I don't know, man. It's going to be some seriously good European racers at this race too. And guys that are really good at eight scale. Orlowski was fourth. It's not that he sucked. And Fend was sixth, you know. So Orlowski beat Fent, who is the big hope of America <laughs> going into the Dutch scale world. Wow, not, a, not according to these results. Yeah. What the hell? Tessman in 20th, Cavalier in 22nd. Um, and Lee definitely didn't have a good weekend. Dude, either. Cavalier didn't have a good M- MKGP either. He is not adapting well to these Schumacher cars. Uh, but yeah. let's segue into that. Uh, all right. Maybe the, maybe the really good... One eight, like I think. All right, so give me real quick. Give me three Europeans you think can make the main. Uh, Ronafog, hundred percent. He's fine. Uh, Are we going like, to continue to jinx him? I mean, I don't give a shit. But I mean, he's he's always been fast on American clay. Like he's didn't mm-hmm. he finish like third on on reader race once? And mm. yeah, I I think I he's been up there. there. Yeah. So and he can Arlowski. make any car he wants. Yeah, Ronafog definitely gonna be in the A. Orlowski definitely gonna be in the A. Um, okay, Ronafog with the asterisk of I don't know how much practice he can get because he will definitely be preparing for the Euros, and then the Zenska Worlds are the next week. So actually, I'm gonna say Ronafog probably doesn't make the main because I don't. I mean, he might not actually be even going to be honest because what I last he says I heard he's, he's from not him, sure. Yeah, because last what I heard from him was he went, he is going to Spain at the end of August to practice for the Euros. 
and then race the Euros. And then after the Euros end, the next week is the 10 scale Worlds. So effectively, he's going to the 10 scale Worlds after racing month of only eight scale. So, I mean, to be honest, I don't see him even going. So let's forget all that. So, okay. Orlowski, he's definitely going to be in the main. Um, because if you look at the last, last, what? Give me, give two, me, give three. me, give me three. Just give me three. You don't have to explain. Okay. That's what I okay. okay. Orlowski, Ongaro, and. Um, I doubt Ongaro goes. No, he's going. He already posted oh, his list. Yeah, okay. he posted his race schedule and he's going. He's he's doing ten scale Euros too. I think he's doing. Oh, okay, he's doing quite a bit of ten. So you're not picking do... like uh, you're not picking a Carp or any of these guys to get there. No, Carp, no. But I'm gonna throw in a curveball. The guy who was fastest in two wheel drive seeding in 2019 World Championships. Do you know who I'm picking? No, European driver. I don't know. TQ seeding in 2019 Worlds in two wheel drive. Was it Bruno Coelho? No, Jonah Hartonen. Jonah Hartonen, top 10 finish and relay race uh, last time he went. Uh, definitely a fast guy. He's going to get out of the military in the middle of the year. He's going to practice for two months nonstop of 10 scale. Nothing, nothing else, just practice 10 scale. Going to make his mark on the 10 scale world, go into a full-time professional where if he does make it, like then it's what it is. Yeah, I think this is the time for him. This is mm-hmm. good, good or not. Go on now. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, He did make the main at FCC. You know what? I can't argue with that. I can't argue with that. And he, he, he made the main in the last world. In 2019, yeah. he made the main. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Cool. All right. Okay. Cool. In a four-wheel drive, though, Coelho is going to be there. So, in four-wheel drive... You're gonna have coil in there as well. So okay. All right. Let's move on. Um two great week two great events this past weekend. I want to touch on both of them. Uh first was the first raw nationals under the new presidency of Clayton Young, who's actually gonna be our guest next week. He's coming on to give us a recap of his first few months in as president. Uh it was the onward. Carpet Nationals, it was held at Apex Raceway in Tennessee. Um, man, I have had nothing but positive results, positive comments about this race. Uh, one guy even tagged me, uh, Mark Thomas, and he's like, look, Lefty, a schedule. Like, they had a schedule for, he knows, he knows where he's going to race. I was like, oh, Max would love that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was told, so what's happened is... Uh, the coverage was a lot better too because Live RC sent two people instead of just one, just like a camera guy. So they sent two people, one guy to do the OBS and the the, the uh, you know all that stuff, overlays and all that there. And then they were doing like there's, I think Randy Caster was doing pictures, like uh, for pictures. And then I believe uh, of one up, I believe like they were making their their own little social media posts like of TQ and all that stuff, but. Man, I think that for the first of, and I must say that this guy actually races the race too. So mm-hmm. not only is he there as the world president, but he's also racing the race. And yeah. from what, and he, but he's, he comes from a, more of an honorary background. So this is more of his people, but mm-hmm. uh, great yeah, race for them. For anyone, for anyone saying anything, the president doesn't actually 
lead the race. There's a separate race no. director. Yeah. yeah, they have a race management team, but he's also yeah. there as a as a racer, as as yeah. a, as the president, right? Which is great yeah. because I've been to two nationals and I have yet to see I had yet to see the 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 president of Raw at those races. So mm-hmm. that's great. Uh, it's great to see that. Uh, he, he demanded like I know he wanted Live RC to step up their their coverage. He wanted better coverage for those. You know, Live RC does a good coverage for the fuel nationals or the bigger races where they get you know, they can get sponsors for for these smaller races. He wanted better coverage. They sent two people, so that's good to see. And he's been very like he made a report, his own personal report about the race. So it's it's good to see. It's small. It's good steps. It's small steps, and it's in a positive. Uh, form also raw has an IG now, so follow it at raw.racing, uh, all lower caps as well. So, great event for them. Their next race up is the on offered corporate nationals uh, being held at Beach Line. Unfortunately, I think it's gonna suffer with entrance because a lot of people, uh, I, it's still like it's a second year of this offered corporate nationals thing. And I think a lot of people, yeah, it did well last year, but I think it also was up in the Pacific Northwest with a really, really big carpet uh, based clientele. Yeah. Now it's in, it's in Florida and there's a lot of Florida races, but I also think that the world's being on dirt and also the, the nationals being very close because in Georgia, the dirt nationals in Georgia, Mm -hmm. (coughs) excuse me. More people will focus on that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing. Keenan is Keenan is struggling with his asthma. But yeah, I I hope that wouldn't be the case, to be honest. Um uh, and isn't Beachline the race they hold yeah, the that the Florida Carver Championships went yeah. to that, that I went to? So it's a great facility. Yeah. So I, I, I um, think and don't they get quite a bit of entries there? It, so it's I, full. it gets capped. It's yeah. Full. So I, I think they're going to be good. And the Florida or the Beachline Beachline Raceway guys, uh, I think you know they do a solid job every year. The track looks cool. They do really good on like coverage, exposure, all that kind of stuff. I, I I mean, I wouldn't expect nothing less that than a quite a good event, and I think people are going to go at least the top. We'll five. see. It's like, I just don't think like, I don't think it's going to get as much as the last year because of the world's being on dirt and everyone's running dirt. And yeah, also but the, the thing is, nationals is over, state over, it's in Georgia. Yeah, but it's, and it's, it's coming up soon. Time of year, right? Yeah, but not that much. I don't know. I I I just I like to believe people would actually go it will because, be late. It's like it's it's later on uh, in the summer. Sorry. Yeah. The, the thing is, like, Florida is the home state of uh, J-Concepts. So I'd expect, like, all of the big J-Concepts guys going. And then, you know, I'd expect Tessman to go because it's a raw race. And, yeah, I think that's all. No, I think covered. the top like, guys will go there. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, I mean, uh, that's what I want to watch. But uh, yeah. it should be interesting. Also, but let's get on to the this event. I'm going to just. Because we're actually going to have a recap with Will, while well, I am doing a recap of the event. So I'm not going to geek out too much on it, but man, I watched, I was sick, but I watched a good bit of the MKGP. Mm-hmm. I've watched this race uh, from when it first started, and now it's, it's I liked it when the, the conception of it, having the 10 scale carpet racing in a shopping mall in Milton Keynes there, and, and busy shopping mall there. Milton Keynes, Great Britain. 
And wow, it was huge. Like you had Brock Champlin, you had um, Cavallari there this year. And I, I, I would love to see more Americans go to this race next year. I, in fact, myself, I want to go. I, I'll tell you what. Not that I don't want to go DNC, but I don't think I can do both. I would think I would I would rather go to this race next year than DNC. I mean that that's a bold move, but I I can see why. Like I in my notes I actually dubbed that this could be like the new neo race mm. for the mm-hmm. UKC mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. ten scale side, obviously, mm-hmm. but kind of like the similar thing. It's it's something special, you know. At that time when Neo was, there weren't many indoor, like big indoor races like that. Uh, and now, like ten scale is obviously all indoors, but this is in the middle of a shopping mall. The amount of crowd, um, how it looks, the track's always amazing. Uh, the club who hosts it, hosts it is really really good. Silverstone Club, yeah, yeah. they are really solid. And I used to go they, there, you know. Yeah, and I also used to do club races there. Yeah, and also what they have is good coverage. You know, they've had had uh, RC Racing TV before, but they now. So, they do you know who company. that coverage team was? So they had they had Raceway One. He was there yeah. doing his stuff, which was great. But do you know who the team was that was covering it? The DDR team or whatever it was. No, DDR TV. No yeah, but it was they, a new company. Yeah, they are the BRCA media team. Sweet. Okay. That's solid. So this was like their first big stream. Yeah. It was good. It wasn't. Okay, like, yeah. There was know, some but, issues for sure. Like I have it, to say there was issues. But there the was some is, issues, but it was there, good nonetheless. Like audio yeah. issues with Scotty, like like Scotty's mic was like clipping like crazy. Oh, yeah. But that too. That was a good move, getting Scotty over there. Yes. That yes. was definitely something that from the previous years has been, was a big improvement. Well, I think what it does. It, it, like at the mall, like his voice, like it attracts people. It's just- when, when 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 he's going there on the mic, like you can criticize him for like sometimes going over the top or whatever your criticism is. But one thing I always really liked about Scotty is no matter what's happening, he he can keep it excited. And sometimes at EOS, I just stay to watch the lower mains because Scotty makes it exciting, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like but not only that races and like yeah, all these like English it. voices, and then you heard this blurring American voice over everything. That too. So that's that, gonna attract that people there anyway. Like who's yeah. this American? Who's this Yankee? Or that's what? Who's this Yank over here? Let's go. You know something <laughs> like that. And um, uh, I and then like I was I was talking uh I was talking to a friend of mine, Martin Owen, uh, who's the chairman of the BRCA the emperor of everything, by the way, of the Extra Lap RC podcast. So he was, t- he told me about that. And, emperor of uh, everything? Excuse me? Is he like a competitor of me? Because he's the emperor oh, he of is everything. The, he is dubbed the emperor of everything. Uh, but he is oh, the okay. chairman of the of the 10 scale side of the BRCA. So he was telling me. So I thought that was, I think that's super impressive. I mean, we always talk, I, like, even though BRCA uses that antiquated damn timing, Right, it was. They it's use actually, live RC this time. I know. I loved. I I love that they use live RC because then you know why? Because the Americans can follow it easier. Yeah. yeah. Right. But to but, be honest, like when they use the BBK RC live, oh, sucks. no one can. No one can follow it. Not no, even the sucks. UK can follow it. Yeah. <laughs> so. so yeah. But 
as as an event, I think this is great. I think uh, this is what this is. We need more of this stuff. This gets our 100%. sport out in front of people. Um, I was told that like people were just like it was just nonstop, you know. And then people would come in. They, I think they had a little play area for people, like an area set up for people to learn about cars. See, all this it, it isn't just about putting a race there. It's not about putting an event there and and then oh, making making it available for people to come and understand the ho- the hobby and the sport. Yeah. So great event, kudos to guys. We do a f- we do a full recap with Will. Hopefully, he mm-hmm. said you know we're, as we're recording this, we haven't recorded it yet. But uh, yeah. I think that next year we'll see more. I, I hope to see some. I hope to see some Dakota fans, and I hope to see some Rivkins or or, yeah. or these guys going over there. I hope so. And I hope to be I going think- over there. I think Associated definitely sh- should send like Rivkin over because they like AE presence in the UK is very big. Like CML mm-hmm. is a big distributor. Then you know I I I'm a bit hesitant on TLR because they don't have a European presence. But I'd like to see you know Fed yeah. being sent over. And Dude, and why not we, more people? Yeah, know? why not more? And also like the race, like like A1, okay. Orlowski, Orlowski swept it. He took the wins, but mm-hmm. like, dude, like the young talent that's coming up in that ten scale rank. Look, dude, I try to t- me and my buddy were watching this. His his an American guy that has a, a young stepson, or he calls him his son, who's racing. And I've known him for a while, and like now the kid's like he's getting better. So we was watching this, and he was like, I was like, you know, like that kid Karaps, like fourteen years old and a European champion, right? I said, how many? Yeah. I said, I said. How many fourteen-year-old national champions do we have? At, do you have in America? None. Yeah. You know. And I said, I said, and we we just got talking. It's like, yeah. I said, when you talk to these kids, they they race ten scale, they race two wheel drive. I said they mostly race two wheel drive. Four wheel drive is something they probably do at bigger races. Yeah. yeah. And I said, go, like when I talk to these kids in England, their goal wasn't, I want to be a pro driver. I want to make a national in England. I wanted to make a nationals final. Mm-hmm. So. I think that that also that Afra as a strong federation grooming these young races and making and, and the BRCA as well because and the, the individual federations of these countries grooming these young guys and helping to you just see I think you're seeing like these young guys like I mean it like what's we've seen multiple 15 14 year old European champions yeah you know? I but, think David was. I think David was around 16, 15 when he won his first eight scale European Championship. And you know, Neumann that comes was from? 15. Neumann was 15 when he won his Euro. They're, they're concentrating on one or two classes. 100%. That, I think so. That is definitely a big thing. And also, it's, 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 a, it's also an attitude question. I have to say that. Like, there is a different, you know, more structured form of stuff, you know. When you go to races, it helps for kids when you get a lot of practice, you know. And then when time goes on, you get better at it and better at it. But in, in America, it's like you always race. You go to a club race, you go to a weekend race, you just race. And you don't do a lot of, like, practice. And practice can even be, like, when you have practice, it's in the middle of slashes and all that stuff. In Europe, it's, it's a bit more structured. And that helps, especially the kids, because they get hang of it you know uh both both things have their sides obviously but i think that that is a big thing too but definitely federations structure things like that def- make a difference 
Mm-hmm. Max, we've been going for like an hour and a half, mm-hmm. and we haven't even got the questions yet. We're, we're just yeah. excited to be talking, I think. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we're going to cut it off at RC News there. We're going to go on. T- I know you, we're, we're going to get to your thing as well. I think we'll <laughs> yeah. do that at the end. But we're going to do that okay. at the end of the show. Uh, we're going to go on to the uh, bench racing Q&A, and that is brought to you by Beach RC as well as Clinic RC. Uh, so let's pay some bills. We have links for all of these in the written description of this podcast. Thank you to Clinic RC and Beach RC for all their support. And uh, yeah, show them some love, everybody. Please show them some love. BeachRC.com, the racer's one-stop online hobby shop. Choose from all the popular brands and variety in stock with super fast shipping and great customer service. BeachRC.com still has the local hobby shop feel with all the benefits of the internet. BeachRC.com is the exclusive distributor for Ultimate Racing, JQ Racing, Pro Circuit Racing Tires, Nitro Lux Fuels, and Assault RC Performance Products. So fill up your cart and check out at BeachRC.com today. That's right. We have links for Beach RC in the written description of this podcast. Also, thank you to Clinic RC, who the new importers of the Race Tech engines. Uh, you can check them out at clinicrc.com. And uh, thank you for the, all, all of their support. Hey, Max, we do have a few questions, not too many. I'm going to employ you not to go into complete and total science mode. Yeah, there was a few questions I might have to, might have to. I saw. I, I know this is your favorite part of the podcast. Beat. I know this is your favorite part of the podcast. You know, we all have our favorite parts. JQ is ranting. Yours is questions. JQ likes questions too, except when the like, you know, he doesn't feel like answering them. Anyway, we're going to start off with some Instagram questions. My question is from... Racer, see, I need my glasses. Racer, Racer XC. I don't know. I can't see that. Uh, my question is, when the hell is Richard Saxon going to call me back? The more he delays, the longer it takes for me to do my, to make my comeback. Also, did Rifkin block me? Is he afraid of my speed of the track? It's me, Jason Ashton, 2004 uh, World <laughs> Champion. What's up, Jason Ashton? That was funny. Um... All right, so we had some questions uh, from the Instagram stories from Vivo71. The trend in 10 scale seems to be going from 12 millimeter to 13 millimeter. Will 8 scale go to 17 millimeter? Um, I mean, I think Agam already has done it. Yeah, aren't they at 17 millimeter? Yeah, but Mm -hmm. to be honest, I doubt it, and I hope it doesn't happen because... I think there are other ways of making the shock work other than, you know, doing that. So in my opinion, I hope not, but, and well, I don't see it happening to be honest. Like the, the difference is bigger when the shocks are smaller, you know? I, so, okay. Agama seems to be the only ones that went to 17 millimeter. Right. Yeah. Nobody else has gone up since then. 
and they've had them quite, for quite some time. What yeah. real quick, give me the benefits and non-benefits. Well, non-benefits obviously added weight, so it's heavier. Um, the disadvantages are the fact that oh no, the advantages <laughs> are the fact that um uh, you will have more space inside the shock. So effectively, when you push the rod in there or the piston in, the um, the, the shock shaft will go in the body, which means that there's less room inside the shock body because it's outside. There's like not it, it, it. When the shock shaft is outside of the shock, you will have you know space in the in inside the cab the oil. So when you push it in, that space will fill. And, as, and essentially what you will have is you will have to make the shock slight, slightly un, unpressured. Um, and then when you push it in, it's a bit overpressured. Okay. So this is not optimal. The pressure changes quite a bit. When you have a bigger, uh, bigger shock uh, body, the effect of the shock shaft will be smaller. So you have more bigger volume of oil, so the percentage that the shaft fills will be smaller, and the increase of pressure will be smaller. So you're basically just balancing the pressure differences with the shock shaft in there and out of the shock. That's essentially what's happening. But I think the fact that when you go at to a certain point, the shock shaft, the percentage the, the percentage difference won't be as dramatic anymore, you know, because it will be a portion of the body. So if you have a really small shock body, the shock shaft will be a really big part of it. And when you get to a certain size, my expectation is 16 is already a bit, bit overkill, but I think that's where we kind of settled. What do you think is the ideal size? I, I, would, I would have to test it properly. I would, I would like to go the smaller shocks because the weight savings is there. But I think we would need, you know, different type of pistons where you can adjust damping uh, depending on speed. Because right now we rely a lot on the pressure and then the hole size, and then we kind of just make a huge compromise and just be like, okay, this is the best for this track. Whereas we could move into pistons which would. Uh, have let's say shim packs or flaps or whatever. What what is the best solution? I'm not sure yet, but have a solution like that where you could adjust damping relative to speed. Uh, and not only you know, um, I'm not talking about you know the mid pistons where you have more rebound than inbound. I'm talking about uh, pistons which have different damping relative to the speed. So basically a flap that opens when you cross a certain speed threshold. Okay. Okay. I think Jake, you was talking about a little bit about this, the other last part. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. But I think, I think sort of if we run these pistons, it might be that going to. Might Not be, to mention it's okay. more oil. You're going to have to spend more money on oil. <laughs> like the bigger the shock body, like you're going to spend more yeah, money on yeah. oil. You know, I, like, come on. I, I'm, this is my very uh, subjective opinion that 14 millimeter shocks are better. 
mm-hmm. but I haven't run them in in a long time because they just don't exist. And uh, you know, I would have to test it out to make sure. But just because they're lighter, and I I'm quite certain the difference in I wonder. 14 to 16 is not enough. I wonder because there's there's 14. This is like the 14 millimeters of what we used to use back in the day, right? Like Oh Kyosho I mean, some 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 were even smaller, but the, right. For for example, the first JQ that came out had 14 millimeters. So. Right, but Im- imagine back in the day we had those small shocks, less weight, right? Now, but with these buggies mm-hmm. with with battle materials, lighter materials, all this type of stuff, like maybe they perform better. Yeah, that's that's kind of my argument. Like, if if we had the smaller shocks, we could save weight from a top. And in general, we don't have as bumpy tracks anymore. We we don't our cars go faster around the track. We don't rely that much on suspension. Uh, like the overall, the cars are better otherwise. So I think you know there could be a chance to move that way. But I think it might require you know. A, a different piston to mm-hmm. improve mm-hmm. the shock otherwise as well and then you go into a smaller diameter i get it but i, I, it. I mean that's something i can approve and i haven't tested since 2016 so yeah i cannot say okay. anything uh the basement david bomb wants to know have we got you in a lab coat yet i don't know we haven't we need to get no, you i i don't think we have them at school uh, well, we have them, but like at, at, at the actual... We need to get some pictures of you in one. We need to get some pictures. Yeah, maybe I need to go talk to the chemistry students. They might have some. Okay. Uh, so this question has been asked quite a few times. I think you didn't know the answer the first time. I think, JQ, I missed it or didn't want to answer it or didn't know or didn't know about it. But Mark Bruton, Young RC, Team X-Ray locking diffs in the XB2 and XB4 benefits drawbacks would they work in the 8-scale XB8? I actually um, tagged you in this. Yeah. So this one is effectively these are like they used to be called active diffs. I don't know if they still call it active diff, but they had it in eight scale. They released it, I believe, two thousand seven for the eight scale. That's where they first had it. Um, now recently they have released them uh, in the past two. Two years, I think, for first the four-wheel drive car and now the XP2. So what what it does? So effectively, have a diff that uh, will start to have friction um, due to these little. It's not plate. It's kind of like a conical thing in, inside the diff. So once you get force in the diff, it rotates this um, uh, disc. Uh, a little bit, which pushes, well, the pins rotate and it pushes this disc a little bit outwards, which has friction within the conical thing that's around the bevel gear, okay? If I had a picture, it'd be a lot more clear, but effectively this is what it does on, in mechanical terms. Now on track, how this performs is when you go in power, the friction provides more locking to the diff, Okay. So essentially, you can run a softer defoil, which makes the car turn really nicely around the corner and have good entry steering. Then you can go on power, 
and the diff will start to lock up, which means you will still have a lot of drive on power. So regularly, we have to make this compromise between having a stiff diff for drive, but a soft diff for turning, you know, and you have to find the right balance, you know. With this diff, the idea is that you don't have to make that sacrifice. You have the best of both worlds, you know, good entry steering, mid-corner steering. Once you go on power, you have the locking, you know, a lot of drive. Um, now, the issue with these diffs has generally been that it's really hard to get them to tune right. The angle of um, um, the plates, so the plates have this little like triangle thing, and then the pin is situated in the middle of this. So as soon as it rotates, it kind of pushes thing, which pushes the plate up, okay? So the angle of these plates has a huge effect of how the locking is, um, how the locking happens. So the shallower the angle, the faster the locking happens. The sharper the angle, the slower it happens, but it might be more aggressive, you know? Okay, and then you effectively tune the preload with the oil. So the fact that these are quite hard to tune is the biggest drawback. It's hard to get it to work absolutely right, uh, especially on low grip. On high grip, it's much easier because you can have, basically you can run the same oil as you usually do, but you just have it more locking when you go and drive. So on high grip, most of the times it probably will benefit you. In tool drive, I bet this will be actually a really good thing on carpet because especially on the X-ray, they had this issue where the inner tire would start ballooning out of corners because the car was really long. They had to make it quite soft to react. And then when it's soft, it starts to like wobble around to one side. And they also had a really narrow pin width, which made it even worse. So because the car handled in a way they had to run differs in the tool drive. Some people ran, I believe Bayer and Coelho, like the top guys of X-Ray. Um, this was like, I guess, 2018, 2019, 2019, probably 2020. They ran 200K in the tool drive on carpet, which it's absolutely crazy. So effectively, I think they started to like have the idea of putting this diff into 10 scale because of that, they needed more drive, they needed logging on the power. So that that is why they have it. And for carpet, for high grip, I'm quite confident that it works. And I, I've talked to a few x-ray divers and they liked it on the, on the four-wheel drive uh, when they tried it. I haven't heard anything from a two-wheel drive, but I expect they, they use it on high grip. So yeah, on eight scale, it didn't really go through. There was lots of, it was Fiorani, I think made one. Then uh, Kyosho had the, a different style of one, but they had it. Uh, TLR even came out with one, which was quite, it was a different design. It was quite interesting at springs, so you had some preload. But the issue with that one was that it was made out of aluminium and uh, it, it wore out basically. It wore really quickly and then it was like really expensive parts. So it was like, it was, I think it was a hundred bucks a piece. Uh, like the diff, so it was too expensive just to maintain. So this is not like a new thing in RC, and it, it has actually first been done in 8 scale, and then this is like the thing in 10 scale now, like the first try. Like now they're finally trying it in 10 scale.
Were these called torsion diffs? Yeah, so that's actually an inaccurate name because torsion doesn't work this way. Uh, torsion effectively is uh, a gear ratio type of diff. So the way the gears are formed in a torsion diff is that it tries to always balance the amount of drive between the two diffs. Um, whereas the normal diff is that the power goes to the tire that has the least amount of grip. So the least least force it needs to take. The torsion is that you have 50-50. And then this limited slip is that it opens when you have no drive and closes when you have drive. So I have a whole ass video on my channel about this. But uh, oh. so go check it out. Max Mert RC. So go check that out. I have a video about differentials. I go through all of this. I go very from the beginning to how it works. Um, but effectively, you know, limited slip is like uh, a diff that gets stiffer while some power. Then you have the torsion, which is tries to balance the drive going out. And then, or rather the torque going out. And then the... The, the normal differential, which is the force tries to escape the with the least resistance. So, okay. And in full-scale race cars, the limited slip differentials are almost always used. Like, I in road cars, there's lots of torsion diffs used because it's, it's, it's much smoother than a mm-hmm. limited slip differential. Um, but limited uh, slip differential is on track much, much better because you just get more drive. Uh, the, the diffs we use in RC really, it, it, it's, uh, it does do some locking. It's not a free differential. It's like we use this, the viscosity of the oil to restrict uh, the diff. So that's basically the way out we do it, but it doesn't provide locking the same way as a actual limited slip differential. And if you're interested, you can go into my channel and watch the video where I go through it a bit more. I will. I will go to your channel and I will watch your video and I will share it. All right. Next up, Dallas Hoover. Do you think Techno will discontinue their 10 scale buggy and truck? I don't think so because I think that Techno has done a really good job of using many parts from various kits to work on all their kits. Yeah, I agree. I don't I don't see like the reason why they came out with their new short course truck is that they still have a reason mm-hmm. to keep like the whole platform because effectively they get three cars out of one. Mm-hmm. You know, they have the e-buggy or no the what you call it, e-truggy, I guess mm-hmm. they call it. And then they e-truggy, have the, monster yeah, truck the, yeah. that I have oh, yeah, and monster the short truck course too. truck that I have. Yeah. Well, that I don't have and the short course truck. Yeah. So now they have four. But four, actually, yeah. That's so they effectively it. get four platforms out of, like, they have the same arm mount. Yeah, same. I think they just used, they, um, I think. <sighs> different chassis, different arms. That's yeah, so, and I think, I think even maybe that the, um, Monster truck and short course used. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure the stadium. I, yeah, I'm pretty sure the stadium truck and the 
Uh, Monster Arm, and the, have same arms, but the short well, not the stadium truck. The, the yeah, yeah. I think the, the e so, right. But what yeah, I'm saying is, those were easier to make because you had to make a chassis and you just had to make a mill for arms. Everything else is pretty much maybe with some finical things you had to do. So with the four wheel drive platform, I think they'll make it as long as people buy it. The four wheel drive ten scale yeah, and and the mini yeah. truggy. While I don't think that that class is booming like it was, people still racing it and. They're the only ones making it. So as long as they don't have to like spend a bunch of money, that's what, you know, that that's smart. Like that's really smart. If you ask me, like they, to make a, a whole yeah. nother chassis, they've just done a really good job of that. Like, you know, yeah, I think, I think, I think what happened was this. So techno, uh, I techno used to have, um, a lighter shorter truck, kind of like what they have now. Then they went and uh, used the parts from the eight-scale car on the short cost truck. So they effectively went, shortened the arms, you know, made different chassis, bumpers, all that stuff. But used a lot of the same parts. Like, I think hubs and all that were same, same diffs, I believe, uh, as the eight-scale car. And they were like, okay, we're going to, the short cost class isn't that huge. We're just going to make the eight-scale buggy fit the class. Mm-hmm. Then they were like, hey, we want to branch out into the 10-scale market. There was even some things like, oh, we're going to do a four-wheel drive first, then we go into a tool drive. Tebow won the really race. It went great. They had even lots going to the worlds. Bornhorst was doing a lot of races. But then I don't know if it was that Tebow said he doesn't want to race 10-scale or if techno was like, it, it, we, we aren't getting enough sales, or if it was that they were scared that the car wasn't going to work on carpet and didn't want to put that much time and effort into it, whatever the reason was, they kind of gave up on it. They just let the 10-scale car be, which is really unfortunate in my opinion because there was lots of nice ideas on the car uh, that no one else has since then you know, done. But they were like, okay, we have this platform, uh, and they were like the e, e mini truggy class. They made that, and then they were like, "Hey, we have the mini truggy, we have the monster truck, and we have the molds for the four drive. Let's just update the short cost truck and make it a light one." So now, effectively, they have two different choices for short cost. I'm pretty sure they'll ditch the uh, the heavier one, and. They just kind of made smart business moves, <laughs> and that was the whole thing. I think it's it's pretty clear, and they are they're not going to discontinue their full drive, but they're just not going to be in the ten scale game. You know, I yeah, think I, the fact I don't think that they are the it's, fact that they they hire a guy who's a two time world champion in ten scale and are like, hey, figure out your program. We don't give a shit, kind of. I think that tells enough that they aren't really interested in 10 scale, at least not at the moment. No, I don't I think, think, I think like when you look at Mayfield and his results, but also the fact that he hasn't raced much 10 scale in the past two years, uh, I don't see Mayfield getting back into 10 scale as hard as he used to be. And I don't see techno hiring guys to do that as long as they have that guy like Mayfield. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. I don't see in the next, let's say, three years, five years, maybe, I don't see techno getting back to 10 scale. Yeah. And the amount of 
uh, R and D and all that stuff to get into that oh, right yeah. now. And, the, and, and the thing is, like you, you effectively have to design not only a two wheel drive and a four wheel drive, but two two wheel drives, two 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 wheel drives, and nowadays two four wheel drives because you have to make them both work on carpet mm-hmm. and on dirt. So that's it's a lot of a, parts. It's, it's, a it's a lot of it's a it's a lot of parts. It's a lot of testing, and if if your if your car isn't good, you're not gonna have any sales. So like, yeah. and they would have to that, start from scratch, especially yeah, on two wheel drive. Yeah, and you can look at S Works. Like they have a huge, uh, well, let's let, let's not exaggerate, but they have a, a substantial market size in eight scale. Mm-hmm. But in 10 scale, they're almost nowhere to be seen. Like, yeah, they are pushing themselves out there, but I don't, I bet they don't sell many cars. But they have a few, t- they are developing, so yeah. Much. But the thing is, like, they have been developing that four wheel drive since Martin Wolanka was their number one driver, you know. And some people probably don't even know who he is, but he <laughs> used to be their number one driver when S Work was picking up their game. This was in 2020, 2019, before COVID, basically. Mm-hmm. Martin Molanko was their number one driver, and that's when they started developing their tool drive and four drive platforms. They came out with the four drive while Martin was still on the team, and then they kept developing the tool drive, and they came out with it a year ago or so. And now they came out with fresh two new models for the worlds. But the thing is, they aren't a big player, and it has taken them. Obviously, COVID probably hurt them a bit, but it has taken them a long time. They probably just saw that the risk for the, the 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 money versus the time and effort to put that in and develop. Then you have to have drivers to develop. Then you have to send these drivers to races to develop. Mm-hmm. It's just so much money, and they probably just said, "No, we're just sticking yeah. this." Yeah, right, that, that's um, that's probably what Techno did. And to be honest, like I don't blame them. The ten the ten scale market isn't like eight scale market is that you can. Like people who race eight scale spend a lot of money on it, you know. Mm-hmm. Like ten scale, the tool drive kit cost less than half than an eight scale kit, you know. It might have gone and up some though, Max. Though it might have gone up, but it's still probably less than half of an eight scale kit. And the amount of R and D is the same. Yes, the manufacturing costs aren't the same, but the biggest thing that is going to cost when you do develop a new platform is the time and the effort you have to put into it. I would say that also maybe a 10-scale car lasts a little longer than an 8-scale car because of the type of tracks that you're running it on. Not as... A, not as yeah, yeah, I'd say that too. Definitely parts, parts costs are a lot mm-hmm. lower in 10-scale. Mm-hmm. 100% true. Mm-hmm. Like, how many 10-scale chassis do you go uh, through? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. In the 8-scale, you go at least two. Yeah. Most likely three. Out of and $95, scale, $95 a pop. Yeah. So that right. only that part is uh, like a big thing. All right. Let's move on. Connie yeah. Swenson, could carpet, could indoor carpet racing be something for eight scale e-buggy drumming to time? Yeah, sure. Why not? One what issue, it- one issue I, I have to say exists is that they do produce quite a bit of noise. Uh, a lot more than 10 scale and then the jumps you have to make they have to be a lot more you know sturdy and the track size needs to be slightly bigger i don't i don't i'm not gonna say it's not gonna happen i bet it's it is gonna happen but i'm gonna say it does take a lot more effort and people are not gonna be like excited about it it's like i i, it's, I, don't, I don't think it's gonna be that much fun to be honest 
We have a question. It, it can be in the future. Okay. Paul McDowell. I'm torn between the Agama N1 and the Mayako MX-8. As my new car for the summer season, I currently run the A13, the Agama 13. As far as Max, mm-hmm. as far as Max is aware, for what tuning advantages has the Mayako got over the Agama? They m- may have to do a little. Let's see. The game says, "Excuse me." Woo. I think he said I have to do some homework, and just He's- to make sure. That because he said I have to do some homework, I did and look at the Akama. I did look at it before, much before, and I know, I know about the N one, but I I did go and look again. Didn't find anything there. And I'm sorry, just real quick. I want to finish the question because he runs at heart oh. hearts and it's an oil track. Okay, but they, there's lots of. Um, well, my uncle just won there this past weekend. I think, yeah, or last yeah. weekend. Okay, so I have to say this. I do. Run a Mayako. I'm a factory driver sponsored by Mayako. So I have to say that. So I obviously will tell you to buy a Mayako. Okay. But now to the part where I'll try to be as objective as I can. Uh, the, I'll go the pro. If you, your question was about tuning ability and 100%. Uh, I have to say, like, even as objective as I can be, Mayako is far superior in this front. Um, You have, especially if you decide to join as a member, you have options to parts that, you know, you can tune your rear shock. There's plenty of different rear shock towers, different link adjustments, and you don't have to buy different parts for these adjustments most of the times. For example, the... Right now, it's members only, the three-piece rear hub, which you can tune with shims uh, into any direction you want. Uh, you can tune the offset from the hub, and you have an arm which has uh, the um, length adjustment. So you can keep everything same, tune the uh, hub, and tune the axle. Axle height is separate um, on the hub with insets. So you have effectively offset diff, offset change, link change to whichever direction, and actual change, all independent changes. Okay, so that's one uh, great thing. I I suggested this to Joseph and <laughs> the rear link uh, adjustment. He didn't do what I wished him to do, but this hub is is a great one for if you're looking for adjustability. Okay, it's members only right now. So if you're not looking into going to a member, this doesn't really affect you. But one great feature that currently, well, actually X-Ray does offer this, but I think Mayako does it where it offers more, is the diff uh, adjustment. So the way Mayako has done it is there is um, the diff case sits on the chassis or you can shim it up or down with shims. Now, how you adjust everything else to counteract that raising of the diff box is you have inserts on the arm holders and the shock tower. So effectively, you have three different positions of the shock tower, three different positions of the arm holders, and then you obviously have the normal inserts within the hingeman holders. And then you can, within those steps, you can also tune the diff height. So you can find your sweet spot there. Both front and rear has the same adjustments. Um, 
On top of this, there are also a lot different stiffening options uh, for the radio tray. So you have long radio tray holder, motor mount. Uh, you can do the stiffness of the car. Um, and uh, yeah, that's about, oh yeah, okay. I almost forgot about the most interesting one, which is the front end. You are able to have effectively what people might refer to as the pivot ball suspension. So a geometry which has a lot of kingpin inclination. So you have an inclined kingpin angle, which means when you turn the tires, the, the front tires are pushed downwards uh, every time you turn the wheel. And also it affects the angle of the tire. So the outside tire angles outwards, inside tire angles inwards. Um, and also it affects the scrub radius. You can go watch Joseph's videos about this stuff. He explains what actually happens. But you have that option, which is you could most people refer to as, as the pivot ball front end. Although the benefit of being done in a C-Hub car is that you can tune the link independently. So you have a geometry as of a pivot ball front end, but you can still tune the link, the knuckle height, and so on. And then you have the option for the standard C-Hub style front end, which uh, the Agama has. It's a little bit different than Mayako. We have longer arms, but essentially similar style where you have zero inclination and you can tune the knuckle up, down, basic stuff. Okay, so that's about the Mayako. The tunability of the car, I have to say, it's, it's like there isn't a car on the market which offers the same. Yes, X-Ray offers you the C-Hub front end and the pillow ball front end, but to be honest, you have to buy the completely different front ends, and then what they don't do is they don't offer anything in the rear end. They The whole rear end is based on the front end being a pivot ball car, and they don't they don't take into account that trying to make it work for a C-Hub, okay? So the X-Ray is the closest on tunability, but they even them don't get really close, to be honest. Agama, on the other hand, the N1, I'd say the tunability of the car is a bit, bit lacking when you compare it to something like Mayako, which has been one of the biggest things in designing that car. So the Agama N1 uh, doesn't offer, as far as I know, uh, it doesn't offer a diff height adjustment. Um, as far as I know, it's no... N n a few different uh, chassis stiffness I saw, but not, not too big, you know, not, not like... Um, not like where you can actually consistently tune the flex of the chassis. Um, on hubs, they have quite standard hubs on the rear, and then they have just a regular zero incline C-hub in the front, so no uh, tunability there. Um, the arms and uh, the arm height anti-squat angles, those are very similar to Mayako. You can tune those but you don't have the ability to raise up the diff or locate them differently. Um, so tunability in the Gama is pretty much, it's not different from the car you have now. If you have the A319 or whatever, you said you had the older model of the Magama. Now, I have to say this. If you are interested in testing yourself and trying to make a new concept work, 
that is something that anyone has that Mayaka really doesn't offer. Mayaka is a very, very regular car, but it has taken into account things and combined things that other manufacturers haven't really done. Effectively, Mayaka is a work of, well, Joseph trying to find the best things of an eight-scale car and then putting it together on this car. And then finding tunability, absolutely find the limit for the car to work. The N1 is, is a different approach. It's trying something completely new, which is reducing your... Um, what the fuck it's called? Reducing your... Uh, well, leverage on the shock. So you reduce leverage in the shock, introduce shorter shocks, place them uh, sideways in the car by using these... Um, um, arms effectively on the arm so shock arm on the uh, suspension arm uh, and this way you can place the shock sideways without affecting the angle of it but what they have done though is reduce the shock length which means they have reduced the leverage of the shock too so you have to run stiffer springs different pistons all of that stuff so that's going to be something they will struggle uh, during the first years of this car trying to find the perfect suit for that and also, like, there will be some, like, different things, like the steering rack is quite different, like, finding how that will work for them best. That's going to be something. But effectively, they have quite of a standard car, which have been, uh, which they have implemented this, um, let's say, well, I'm, I'm not going to say new, because this has obviously been done before, but different from the current market, trying to make something effectively trying to find a way to um, make the centered mass with lower center of gravity have more benefit than um, the reduced reduction in leverage of the shock and function of the shock, how it works. So that's basically what they're trying to do. And if you're interested in that, the N1 is something that the Mayaka doesn't offer. But if you are like you asked about the tunability, the Mayako absolutely is much better. Also, uh, you already you he already drives Agama, so he would know about the support from the Agama team, which uh, yeah. John seems to do a really good job of. So yeah, if you're if you're in the UK, definitely Agama is is quite good support. But yeah, on on if you are interested in testing. And talking about people with testing, the Mayako Discord is something I don't see, I don't see other brands offering right now. Okay. So, like, here's the thing, Keenan. Every time you want, like, you ask me a question where I have to be objective, I have to go the long route. I don't know how I to know. be objective when I know we have like uh, a few more questions to go here, and you yeah, just went I, like, like ten minutes on talk, that one. Yeah, talking short and objective is hard. You wasn't. I I looked. I, I didn't zone out. I've listened to everything you said. Yeah. Usually I zone yeah. out. Like right, when next. I when I can just say my opinion, I can just cut corners and say it. But when I have to be like, okay, I have to make sure I take everything into account. It takes long. Okay, next one I'll be quick. Okay. Uh this is from Carl Nadfalusi. Nadfalusi, and I I butchered that. Uh is Techno bringing new tenth buggies? We we said we don't think so. Also, what does Max think of the new Schumacher chassis and four wheel drive racing it on outdoor dirt? 
Um, don't be long. Did they did they change much? I don't think they changed much. They they made like a new chassis where the rear end is narrower. Like that. That's great. Um, it's <laughs> like it's that. not like that's great. <laughs> yeah, it's not like amazing or revolutionary. It's not going to change much. I think the biggest benefit is just you have cleaner air throughout the um, rear of the body, so you get more like air to the wing and around the tires. So probably jumps a bit better, uh, and it's just more. Um, how would you say it? more slippery through the air um apart from that i didn't see much difference okay. i don't know they might have improved like a motor mount side guards or something but to be honest like same car and he wants to know about outdoor ra- outdoor dirt racing on it outdoor dirt racing definitely not the best for this car but it is a good car and i do believe that it can be uh as good uh, perhaps even better than some of the other brands. Um, I don't. I think the Schumacher four wheel drive is really good uh, on carpet. It's really really good, but on dirt, I believe it. It's still you know can be okay. can I mean, can be really good. So okay. it it might just take a little bit more effort. You know, UK people don't generally race on dirt that much. Okay. Michael Cook on two wheel drive, be a car- carpet, be a buggy, short course, or stadium. What does going up or down on diff fluid do and when do I want to make changes? The short answer, Max. Yeah, this is actually good because I talked about uh, the diffs already. So effectively, mm-hmm. uh, on a two-wheel drive car, the thing is that um, if you want to maintain rear grip, you have to kind of turn the car around the rear. So uh, the front ends turn and the rear ends stick to the ground. Especially like if you look at a carpet, the front tires are narrow as hell and the rear tires are wide. So uh, when you turn the car that way that the both rear tires effectively stay on the ground, the outside tire will have to turn much faster. Okay? So this is uh, this is sort of the base, what I'm going to say next. So to make that happen, to move the outside tire faster, make the car rotate better, you have to run the soft diff because then the differential won't resist the fact that the outer tire moves faster uh, than the inner tire. Okay, so soft diff, more rotation. Then the issue, however, is that when you go out of the corner, you do want a lot of drive. Uh, And when you go on power, if the weight is on the outer tire, you're going to have the inside tire balloon quite a bit. Okay, so... Effectively, what you're doing is soft diff, really good uh, steering on entry. You might have issues getting out of the corner. Stiff diff, uh, you're going to have less rotation on entry and mid-corner. But then once you're on power, you're going to have the car accelerate really fast out of the corner. So you have to find a balance here. You have to find a balance where you have enough steering and enough rotation where the car doesn't really stall mid-corner. But then you still have... um, um, still you have stiff enough diff while once you're on power you get out of the corner fast so that's effectively what you do in tool drive in four drive it's it's quite the same but there you have you know front diff and rear diff and then even middle diff can the center diff can affect that a bit so it's you can play with all of those three but in, in tool drive it's kind of simple because it's only the rear diff 
Um, and if you are running on dirt, um, in general, it's better to, well, let's say if you're running on dirt and you're running a ball diff, in general, when it's really low grip, it's better to run uh, a stiffer diff. This is because uh, of the fact that even the ball diff has the effect of the inside tire keeps ballooning. So when it's really low grip, um, once you go on power, you might have this like twitch on the car, you know? But that's why often it's better to just have the rear tires like both uh, rotate similarly. So you have a stiff diff, the rear end doesn't do anything surprising. Yeah, I, I figured your, your camera was going to go off two hours. It's two hours and 11 yeah. minutes. Uh, all right. I think that's it for that question. Then. Yeah. Can, uh, okay. I, the camera died like the specific time I stopped speaking. But basically, that's how it works. Uh, with the ball, if there are more stuff to it, like friction and all kind of stuff. But with, with gear diff, it's pretty simple. You know, stiffer diff, more exit. Uh, softer if more rotation. Okay. All right. So our next question is from Kevin Holbert. He wants to know, I'm trying to get my daughter into racing. Do you think an AEB 6.2 could stu- still do well, even though it's a few generations behind? Uh, I think that if this is her, few, her first attempt at racing and you have parts for it, yeah, she isn't going to notice a difference, man. Let her go out there and beat that up and figure it out. And if she likes it, and she's doing battle with it, then you can upgrade. That's what I would say. What? Yeah, basically the 6.2... Actually, I think that... No, 6.2 already has the new arm. So 6.2, 6.3, and 6.4, uh, they are effectively the same car. The 6.4 has a new chassis, new side guards, a new steering um, holder, new steering uh, hubs and knuckles. But if you go online and look at any of the top A driver setups, everyone uses the B6.3 hubs and knuckles and the steering rack. So, and that is the same as the B6.2. So the thing, the thing I'd suggest is buy the 6.2 if you have it or use it if you have it. And then if someday you want to upgrade, upgrade the car, you just buy the new chassis and side cuts of the B4 or B6.4. And, you know, then you are basically onto the new car. Uh, so, yeah, my suggestion is, yeah, go with the... I mean, I have a 6.2. I, I still race it. So, yeah, definitely use that one. Okay. Uh, so our last question here, Max. Well, we have two more. But this is one that we're going to kind of answer already. But Christensen, Christensen, Adam, what does Max thinks of track fixing during a race inverted shocks? Do you want to save this? Is this in your notes for last? Or do yeah, you wanna... let's, we do the inverted shocks at the end, but I'll do the track fixing. Okay, yeah, uh, let's do that. The track fixing thing. Um, after each day, fine. I, I think that's actually, let's say DNC, I'd like to see them do it. But between rounds or during a day, definitely not. I don't think it's like in main day, like before a main, I could see an argument for that. 
that before I main A main, it's fine. I mean, they do that on Supercross, like they fix the track for the main. I I don't see I don't see that being an issue before the main. Uh, to be honest, yeah, I don't see any issue doing it in the mains. Uh, but in qualifying, absolutely not. After today, fine for me. Okay. Okay. Just make All it right. fair for everyone, you know. Don't don't make changes when it might affect, you know. It might affect something like in a round basis because the thing is, like in any, like if you leave it bumpy, it's gonna benefit someone. If you make it flat, it's gonna benefit someone. Just make it make it out that you say in like the race entry or the drivers meeting or whatever. Just say that you are gonna do this fixing. Don't be like, oh, I'm not going to fix the track. And then, like, just before the main starts, you're there out with your tractor. And then people are like, what the fuck? Like, I set up my car for a really bumpy track. You know? Don't do that. But make it clear when you're going to do it and if you're going to do it or if you're not going to do it. Um, and I suggest do it after each day. Yeah, that's those are the actually. Those are the things. I'm done with this question now. <laughs> you can go okay. We got two more questions. We're going to be quick about them. Uh, in the, from, this is from our Discord, uh, hashtag 53Dom. I think this is me close. Uh, in the UK, I've noticed there are all sorts of sports being adapted for casual audience for social slash team building outings. Examples like you can play cricket, darts, pool, sim racing, and other activities in a casual environment where you, can, where you play the game for your paid session and go home. There's also obviously karting that you do and arrive and drive where you pay for your session and go home. Do you think RC arrive and drive venue for casual team building use would be successful if it was marketed properly also catered to for earn for, for people for owner drivers? Um, we have this in Finland, uh, this company called hobby factory, mm-hmm. uh, which I have worked for before. Um, they offer rental cars. They have Arma 4x4 uh, short coach trucks. And they are their, their hobby shop is in the same building as uh, the Full Speed RC Club, which is situated mm-hmm. in Vantar in Finland. Uh, so people can come in the store and then they can be like, hey, I want to rent a car. They pay, I think it was 20 bucks uh, per car per hour. And they take the car, go out on the... They have a specific beginner's track there, which they can drive on. Mm. And then uh, what they do is they organize a lot of birthday parties and Mm -hmm. also like company events. So what they do is they sell a package for like, I don't know how much it is, uh, probably like a few hundred uh, euros. uh, And you get like people there. Uh, usually, I mean, I actually did one birthday party myself. There was like, I think, eight kids. Uh, they drove there uh, with the cars. They We had like qualifying and then we had a, like three mains or two mains, whatever. And the kid, kids had to blast, all of them. So it definitely works. I believe they have like what I last talked with them. It was uh, successful business-wise as well. So it, it's not just for marketing or whatever, but business-wise, it does make profit is what I'm understood. Uh, it do, does take a lot of effort to keep these cars. You know, they are under a lot of use. Like 
like the tires, the bodies, uh, they break once in a while. Um, and what, what they had done, you know, they use like two, two S batteries, but they plug it with uh, a loop. So effectively you have, you know, double the milliamps. That's why they can run a full hour with those. And the armor cars are good because you can limit the power. Uh, so they don't trash them. But it 100% works and people yeah. should definitely do it. But one thing I have to say, it does require a hobby track. Not You can't do it on like, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. let's say, hobby mm-hmm. action. Definitely mm-hmm. it doesn't work there. I think... Uh, many shops do. I know BTRC does this. They do like a slash rental. They they market it to um, to hotels because you know they're right there in Myrtle Beach. Uh, I know mm-hmm. lots of tracks that do this. The issue is, like you can, uh, I don't. It's see, an RC is so so small that all that stuff like to make a business totally dedicated to that, maybe putting it in a. A, pl- a a space where people are gonna be able to come come to it is is probably expensive. Oh you yeah, know? definitely. And it's never gonna work if you if your only thing you do is that. The best thing you can do is have a club there. Mm-hmm. So you have, let's say, a hobby action would clear out some pit space, make a smaller track just that you can run a slash on fun enough that it's fun for people who don't know RC, but small enough where it doesn't take that much space. And then they had a hobby shop in the same building, which sold, let's say Traxxas cars or armor cars. So the people who, because oftentimes when people go out there and rent the car after, let's say once or twice, they're like, let's just buy one, you know? So that's also good for selling. So it's definitely, you should have a hobby shop. You should have a track. So you have the facility already, but then you have the section where there's the beginners. Do you think we could see this as a hot, like, oh, I can go and get a high-end race car, rent that and go race? Or is it just that? Because they have kind of like uh, at these go-kart tracks, I know they have leagues where you race in those cars and all that stuff because mm-hmm. they're all equal. But yeah, I don't know. I don't think it like the high-end stuff would work. High-end stuff, thing, yeah. We, because we actually... RC's too... There's no consequences if you crash. Yeah, you know, you, exactly. don't, you don't get hurt. So people are going to be sending that stuff. That stuff's going to be breaking. I think the maintenance will be too much. I think yeah. RC still requires you to have some mechanical skill. Yeah, that's, that's, we actually discussed this same thing. Like we were planning, like, what if we do a rental race car? Like someone's gonna like fix it between races and then someone's gonna pay amount of money to race it for the weekend. But it was just like, it was so, it was way too expensive to Mm -hmm. rent Mm -hmm. because the thing is like, if you're gonna have to, uh, if you're gonna have to rent shit between each race, it's going to take some work hours and you got to pay somebody for that. Yeah. You have to pay someone for that. So effectively that price is too much for, you know, someone running the car and then the risk of something breaking and all that. It's what I just doesn't make sense in business. What I do think that, that it is a great addition to an already uh, an an RC facility, or if you're going to open up an RC facility and it's great for marketing and it's an addition, but to survive off it will be very hard. Yeah. Um, But I think think for, for something like a slash or something, 
that's 100%. Like, if you go mm-hmm. to a go-kart track, that's not a real go-kart. That's like a, like, like, like a rental go-kart is usually just like a some cheap one that just lost. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in some. I remember I went to one go kart rental dude. That thing was fast. I don't know what a good yeah. go kart is. All right, we got one more question. That's from your good friend and all good friend Roach RC. If gas trucks came back thanks to Ignite RC, because my DMs are always open. Thank you to Ignite RC for all their support. Do you think it will place truggies, bruggies due to due to being more unique than the big boy buggies we have now? Personally, I think they would. Work as work as a great entry level nitro class, but I know nothing about nitro. So, what's up, kid? How you doing? Check out Roach RC on YouTube. It's a great channel. He does very good work. I like his channel. Gastrock was actually what you started out with, and it was actually more popular mm-hmm. than nitro buggy. Uh, it was it, it it it's a very it's it's not an easy thing to drive. It was never easy mm-hmm. to drive, and that's what people liked about it. Then the truggies came along. They were easy to drive. You know, actually, sorry, buggies came along. Then people got into that because they're easy to drive and everybody could drive them. And then gas truck was like became a side thing. So it was like it was always nitro buggy gas truck. But then mm-hmm. somebody said, "Hey, we can put some slightly bigger tires and look a truck looking body on this buggy, and we can make mm-hmm. a truck." And so eventually. Uh, and then monster truck was also popular, but that was a separate class. So eventually what gas truck used to be was that second class at also, but at one point it was also the beginner class because it was cheaper and all that mm-hmm. type of stuff. But they were incredible. These, these, like, if you can drive a gas truck, good, you're going to drive other things. Good. It's, it's also good for that, but it's hard to drive. And I think nowadays with the instant gratification mentality of most people and you get that, that's why people like Truggy, right? Mm-hmm. That's why e-truggy. people like Truggy and E-Truggy. It's that instant gratification. Like, I'm fast. I can do this. I can put this anywhere. When you give them a buggy, it's a little, you know, it's, it, they got to learn that. Mm-hmm. So I do, I, as much as I like gas truck, and I have four of them. You see one up there, back there. And hopefully I'll get an Ignite one at some point. Um, I don't see it ever coming back to that level. I think it's always going to be a niche level. And I don't even think that, a lot of these people would be able to drive because you know, like you got a truck and it's like, like you can do that, you know. With a gas truck, it's it's all about this and yeah, it's very hard to drive. Um, I have never driven a gas truck. I have barely driven a stadium truck, so I would like to see what that's like. the The biggest issue I have, or well, not I have, but the biggest issue I see with this class is. Eight scale tracks these days have huge jumps. They mm-hmm. are in size, they are much bigger than they used to be. And especially in Europe, it's like there would be no sense in driving a stadium truck around tracks like that. Like the bump, the sizes of the bumps and how like abrasive the surface is, like it's just going to destroy the stadium truck. So that that's definitely one issue. American tracks have two big jumps, European tracks are just too abrasive. Um, and then one issue is there's no, like, if, if we would then choose to go to 10 scale tracks, outdoor 10 scale doesn't exist. You know, there yeah. isn't outdoor 10 scale. So that is, those, there those is, two but things, very few, for you and far between. Well, yeah, but it's like, uh, tell me a big outdoor 10 scale race doesn't exist, you know? So that, those are the biggest issues, um, with the, with the class. In somewhere like Australia, 
where tennis scale in outdoors is still huge. Um, maybe I don't know, maybe not huge, but it's still it's, big. And mm-hmm. then also they race on oil tracks, which they also have, have a track which is special for. They also have a ten scale track in Australia that has that like that permanent sealed type of uh, BMX style. Yeah, too. yeah. So Australia has, uh, for some reason, sort of got this. Uh, I think it's partly due to weather and partly due to the type of dirt they have, but they they have quite actually optimal circumstances for this class because they have smooth tracks, they don't have crazy jumps, and they have uh, somewhat alive outdoor 10-scale scene. So you can race this uh, the gas trucks on the 10-scale tracks, so or you can race the on the smoother 8-scale tracks. So your tracks that the stadium track is actually fun to drive, or the sorry, mm-hmm. gas truck is fun to drive. In Europe and America, I just don't see that happening, really. That's, that's well, they actually, so now that you say about Australia, a lot of the, like, Zach Ryan and Panic and all that guys, they got these Ignite Design I know, I know. RC conversions, and they love them. And if you guys want a gas truck, uh, there's a link in the written description for Ignite Design RC. Check out Jimmy yeah. Wood. Uh, he is, he's an awesome dude, and he's keeping the gas truck, uh, uh, dream alive and he's they actually have a series they do so they do race 10 scale outdoors it's in florida where they race. yeah in florida and in florida they do but that's very so I'm not, yeah right so but we're talking about maybe 10 trucks so yeah unfortunately t- people just br- truggy is hurt to stay and e-truck is grown so and i don't unfortunately we're not gonna see gas truck come back i think to be hard. honest though if there was a time when gas truck would be revived it would be now for two reasons. One is that Truggy is kind of pointless right now. It's effectively like, like it, really, if you look at the bodies, J Concepts came out with the silencer. It's the same fucking body that's on the, uh, on the buggy. Okay. It, there's no difference. It's just fucking longer and a bit wider on the, on the cap. Okay. So that's already like, okay, it looks like a buggy. Then, when you look at the design side, Techno is the only brand who has put any effort into designing a Truggy. Every other brand has all they have done, longer arms, longer chassis, uh, new turnbuckles, drive shafts, and change the gear ratio. Oh, yeah, bigger tank. So basically, all they've done is just adjusted the car, like stretched it out in some places to make it fit into the Truggy class. No consideration of how it works, no R&D whatsoever. So it's like no one wants to do it, but it sells. So that, that's, Max, that's unfortunately, like it's thing. not going anywhere. And I'll be honest with you, there's these Ruggy bodies, it's... When you go out there and you first look, you have to look twice to make sure it's not a buggy. That's how close that's, it's getting. That's my thing. Like there is absolutely nothing apart from the fact that it's bigger than a buggy. You know, like it's just a bigger buggy with big mm. tires that are more expensive. It's a more expensive, little bit easier to drive buggy. And that's still like it. I don't like it anymore. <laughs> like I oh, when, you never liked it. Never liked it. I never liked Chuggy, but I could see its point when it was like a completely different looking car. Right. You know what? That is enough. 
We have. I want, I want gas trucks back. You, but they're not coming back. Well, I want them back. I want $3 million right now. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, that was a lot of questions, Max. Uh, we are going to stop asking. There's no more questions. Thank you, everybody who sent in questions. Uh, we've been geeking out for two and a half hours. We're going to go over and talk hey, to... Yes. Which, which engines does gas truck use? They use smaller ones, 12s. right? 12s. Point 12s. Who sells them anymore? SH. Uh, OS has some. What they're using is some on-road engines. Pico has one. I have a Pico oh, in my... So they use in an, my, They just use like one-tenth on-road engine? Yeah, and then that's got a Pico uh, on-road engine in it. It's fast. Yeah, so, the on-road engines are crazy. OS has a couple too, but the SH one seem to be the more popular, The the also a good price. So uh, hopefully I have one. Um, Max, we're going to go on to talk to Will. I don't know if you're go- at this moment. I don't know if you're going to be there with me, but you probably ain't. So we're going to go yeah. to Will. I'm going to, he's going to, we're going to do a recap of the MKGP. We're coming back and then we're going to wrap this up. All right. With that said, yeah, man. thank you to Techno RC for all the support. And they bring you this week's main interview. Techno RC. Techno RC. Techno RC is a premium manufacturer specializing in 8th and 10th scale high-performance off-road RC buggies and trucks. Visit www.technorc.com for a complete catalog of their products. Techno RC, excellence in engineering. Hashtag Techno Takeover. What's going on, Will? How you doing? (laughs) Yeah, not bad. I think I'm pretty much almost recovered from mk so great pretty race. good great oh, race yeah amazing race uh you sent me a picture you was up on a balcony having a beer i think was that like a restaurant right above where you could watch the race from <laughs> yeah so like uh the first day i was kind of being a little bit because i can work from home or anywhere with a laptop i went up, went there a little bit early so i could get my pit, pit spot maybe well mainly but I have a cafe up there, which is a, has basically a perfect view of the track. So, uh, yeah, I went up there, had a coffee and a bit of a sandwich while the guys were sort of preparing the track. So they were win-win, to be fair. All right, cool. Well, in case you guys didn't know who this is, this is Will Venables, a.k.a. Briefcase. He joined Max and myself uh, earlier on this year for a recap of the EOS Dawn race in Germany. Uh, he's an avid racer in the U.K., I met Will when he was about 15 back in the day when I was racing in uh, the UK. Uh, he was he's he goes to a lot of these races in Europe. He goes to a lot of the EOS races. And I know he went to the MKGP. So I thought I'll have him come up here to talk a little bit about this race. Now, for our f- listeners that may not know what the MKGP is, it's actually called or it's called the British GP as well. Um it is the Milton Keynes GP, British GP. It's held uh, in Milton Keynes. Milton Keynes is a city, town in the UK. I've been there. I've been through there before. Uh, it's as Nick Damon says, it's part of the carbon triangle or something, carbon fiber triangle. Lots of F1 teams around there, apparently, in that Milton Keynes area. Uh, so this race takes place in the middle of, is it their big, their biggest mall or a very busy mall that they have there? Yeah, it's a pretty big uh, shopping center, mall, whatever you want to call it in the UK. So, like, they had a, they kind of have this spot where they sort of have community events every year. And for what I understand, uh, the club Silverstone that run 
MKGP and so on. They managed to uh, sort of snag a space there and they've sort of ran events there for the last few years. So lucky now after COVID, uh, they're back. And yeah, we had the MKGP last year, last week. Right. So this is actually run by another. So this is run by another club. Silverstone that you and I have used to go well when I was there we used to go up there to race Tuesday nights that actually at a it's a veterinary college college university right a vet university or something like that I believe yeah some, something like that I yeah. think it's like a it's a college for like a, if you're into the veterinary yeah, yeah, sort of yeah. thing but then yeah this is you guys heard me tell you about the story where you roll the carpet out you put down the hoses filled with like gravel and build a rostrum and so this is this club um I don't I think this is what like the fourth one of these races, maybe the fourth one. Uh, yeah, it was the fourth. Uh, well, they had a year where they couldn't have it in a shopping center, and they mm-hmm. had it like in a in a hangar. So I guess okay, that, yes, yeah, but yeah, I guess you could say as the event itself, yeah, it's like the fourth, uh, okay, fourth edition of it. I think it. I mean, when it first happened and it was in that mall, I thought it was great. I mean, I really wasn't freaking out of a ten scale, um, carpet at that time. I was, you know, full on nitro. But as it's going on this year, it was really it was a lot bigger. We had Brock coming over there and Cavallari. Uh, the it was full cover. I know I think RC Racing TV might have covered this race at one point, but we had great coverage. It was a lot of hype up around this race leading up to it. So I actually uh, watched. I didn't watch it all this past weekend. I watched a lot of the the finals. I didn't really uh, watch any of the qualifying because I was sick. And I remember turning on for A one of two wheel drive and just seeing all the people like just completely like on the back straight away. And then you saw people in the wall walking around. I was like, wow, this is good for RC. And um, yeah, I just thought it was, I always thought it was good for RC, you know, an event in the mall with eyes that are non RC eyes looking on it. Um, So yeah, tell me a little bit about that. I heard that they have, they go all out. Like um, I was talking to Martin Owen and he says they have an area where people can come up and learn about RC. They might have some test cars. Um, I can't remember. Maybe you can let me know. I heard something about maybe they, they made all the A-main guys go out or top guys do, do something as well. So let, tell me a little bit about that, if you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, overall the event, I think it is great for the for the public. It's for everyone to see like what RC is about because of uh, you see it on TV or well, not TV. You see it on YouTube and Facebook, or whatever. And I'm sure you just like, oh yeah, it looks okay. But then, like when you, I think when everyone sees it there, it's like holy crap! Like it looks really cool. So yeah, it was great. The fact like it was in front of everyone and like the BRCA backed it, which I think was really good. So they flew over Scotty, which I think is one of the best people you could have to like sort of hype up the race because he's he's there all day, you know, with his with his voice, uh, like talking about the race and making it feel exciting. But the BRC was there as well. They had like a small track there. So they were pushing the event really well. I think they even ran like a small competition. So someone in the public won like a serpent ready to run. But it was just good. Like, you know, anyone, get even one person in, it's great. But I'm sure obviously, hopefully after this, maybe more people. But then they had like, actually one of my sponsors, uh, DMS Racing. uh, They were there as well. Like, so they were just, so I guess people could sort of see and what they could buy as well. So I think it was a really good event. It's like there's nothing else really like it, to be honest, especially like uh, the competition there as well. Like it's the best guys in the world. And obviously the domains were really, I mean, the mains were mains were crazy and like super close. So I think it was... Well, four-wheel drive was... Four-wheel well, drive yeah, four, yeah, four-wheel. Four-wheel was yeah, I mean, four, yeah, four was off the hook. But even two-wheel, I mean, like 
Well, I'm sure we'll get into it later. But even when Neil, like, he came out of nowhere. Oh, I'm going to talk about that. We'll talk about that. Um, real quick, you 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 said something. Max and I both agree because we did talk about this briefly uh, in this podcast. Having Scotty there is great because he's an American voice. Like, so it's going to, it's going to go further. Like everybody's speaking like in an English accent or whatever there. So you heard that American voice and it's booming like all throughout there. So it's going to attract even more people there was, I don't know how close you were to actual, the actual public, but did you see people like coming up asking questions? Did you see people answering questions? Were they allowed in the pits to come talk to you? How did that work? Uh, I mean, you had to have a pass to come to the pits, but there were, I mean, around, I mean, just like around, there was fencing, but like everyone was like answering questions and talking to people. There were so many people just asking about, you know, what we do. And it was really great seeing even a lot of the top guys just taking a few minutes just to talk to the, the public and telling them, you know, what we do and answering whatever they asked. So it was really good. It's like RC guys get to be like rock stars for a weekend because like you don't get to race in front of people like that. Not RC people. Yeah, no, it's a really cool feeling as well because, like, uh, you know, you have people watching, and I think if you kind of if that's what sort of helps you, like, uh, get some adrenaline or whatever, it's a really cool feeling like doing it in front of people, and like, you know, it was at least like three, four rows deep at points, so you can see like people were there, and actually, I felt like they were staying there for a while when they were watching. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just like a two minute thing, and then they went. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think yeah, Scotty there, I think especially he's so in for you, like. He like he uses his voice and he's really like out there and charismatic in a way. Like he's not just like uh just talking. He's like really like not shouting, but you know what I mean. He's doing mm-hmm. what Scotty does best. He's so. loud. He's loud. Yeah, he's yeah. Amped up. exactly. He's amped up. I like Scotty. Uh, so you said the and uh, once one thing I know, I I I always say that you Brits are very stickler for rules and tradition, but I have to say that the BRCA is probably the best federation in the world even like just the proactive at uh at getting youth uh doing things like this being a part of it i uh martin told me that they bought uh that the streaming team was the brca team apparently so um that did the stream it wasn't perfect but it was good it was great and i, I enjoyed it i like that they use live rc scoring too and not not you got like i do i really do not like you guys scoring the bbk whatever stuff that you have happy they use that thought that was great but it's really good to see uh the federations being involved in a race that isn't necessarily a brca event you know it's silverstone i know that it has to still be it goes under the license and it goes sorry it goes under the insurance and all that stuff the brca but they're there, they send people there, and that's good to see. And that's what a good association, good federation should do. And they provided, like, help get Scotty over there or brought him over, and they got the coverage going. So they know this is important. And and this is racing that, you know, we heard that, oh, eight-scale racing is too expensive and people can't do it. But 10-scale racing, while it's expensive, is much less expensive than eight-scale racing and very feasible for a passerby to pick up and get into, I think. So kudos to them. I really liked it. They really went all out this year. But let's talk about the racing because we did have two of the Americans come over here with the Schumacher camp. There's a lot of 10-scale racing going on. Uh, these guys also, some of them, not all of them, were racing each other on dirt probably a week and a half ago at the Desert Classic. And some of them prior to that were over white racing, maybe not too much, well, Cavalry, uh, were uh, racing each other to DNC. 
these guys were racing a lot of 10 scale as well. Cause I mean, if you go back to um, the Florida carpet championships, which was not even six months ago was what November. So yeah, no October, November, yeah, early November, I think. No. Yeah. Early November. Um, you had Kobovic, you had, uh, uh, you know, the x-ray guys besides Coelho and all these guys racing against each other in Florida. Then obviously at the EOS race, um, but this is the next step. It looked good. It was good to see. But let's get on to qualifying. We're not, we're not going to talk about two-wheel drive, and we're going to talk about four-wheel drive. Because, But, man, uh, two-wheel drive got out there. It looked like Orlovsky was going to be, you know, on cruise control. He got he ran one, two. He ran Q1, Q2. But then, um, I have it in my notes here. Hold on. We saw Coelho take, it, take Q3, right? Then Q4, we saw Tommy Hall, the young Brit, uh, current European champion, um, your teammate as well, team associated. He would take uh, the win in Q4. And actually, the way the numbers worked out, this is the only one for two. He was the only one that could challenge uh, Orlowski the next day for the TQ. So we had some really exciting qualifying going on, five rounds of qualifying. So it came down. To, it was. I'm glad it came down to the fifth round because that, I always like, I hate when it's three and out unless it's my driver and I love it, but I, I hate for the racing community when it's three and out, but I like when the qualifying goes down to the last round and it's very interesting like this. What can you tell me about qualifying? Where did you qualify? Oh, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I call, uh, I mean, myself, I qualified C3, I think in the end. I mean, the whole, I mean, so basically it was brand new carpet. And uh, it was actually super low grip at the beginning. You would have never expected it. Like uh, cars, like as soon as you're getting on power, like uh, squirreling and like the rear ends were coming out, it was crazy. So like all the practice and qualifying, like we went, some people were even on ball diffs at points. So it was, su- it was super challenging in the beginning. Like even just, it wasn't sort of really till round two, three where the grip really came up. And then it was like, okay, this is like probably higher than EOS. But like, uh, in general, qualifying, I mean, qualifying was pretty, was pretty, yeah, like it was pretty mental because, I mean, Orlowski sort of straight out of the box was pretty damn quick. And I think, I think to be honest, hot, I still think Tommy definitely had it in there to win in TQ. I think he just had some small, small mistakes just that cost him, but he had so much pace. And I really think, I, I mean, I, I really hope, and I think he will now, but he'll get more experience. And I think he will finally break into even bigger wins. But yeah, and then like people like Quelo, like uh, he's he's hardly been doing any buggies since because he's all been more into ETS and stuff. And he just came in Q3, you know, another TQ. And I think because it's such long days and it's three rounds to count, I think there's so much pressure on uh, trying to get those clean runs. And I don't know if, how these i mean i'm sure these guys with the public i i don't know if how if that's extra pressure on them if it makes them more nervous or whatever but like i feel like everyone was just out there just trying not to crash and the track was track was really good i really liked the track as well i thought it was really fast and flowing little lack of jumps but i don't know if that's more because of a the shopping center thing and they don't want us to have like massive jumps so that i think that's probably one of the reasons why but I mean, yeah, I mean, to be fair to Olowski, he stayed really clean and he kept his head and that's sort of how qualifying went. But it was, but I definitely feel like it was between Coelho, Tommy and uh, Olowski. They were like definitely the three in contention that I feel like had the pace from the beginning to win. 
Oh yeah, I mean, even in, in the mains, you can see that Tommy was really fast in two wheel drive and um getting up on and four wheel drive too, but more on two wheel drive. And I, I forgot to talk about the track too. I meant to mention that I didn't put it in my notes, but I I actually thought it was very English, like not too many jumps. You know, I saw the same like as you spoke of the carpet as well. Uh, we had blue carpet when we said Silverstone, but I'm pretty sure that some of those hoses that were out there, I've helped lay out before at Silverstone too. And I thought it was very a very UK-ish type of track. Not many big jumps. You had that jump in front of the driver's stand. That was it, it, Coelho had a big issue with that. He had a big issue with that jump. But yeah, probably not wanting cars to fly out into the public, stuff like that. You know, maybe keep it. Yeah, big jumps are nice, but this track actually made for good racing. So I enjoyed that. It was big. It was huge. There's uh, there's mod motors got to open up their legs. But uh, yeah, definitely didn't have any big, like, you know, like whip it type of, you know, like, you, you know what I mean? Like some of them big hockey type of jumps that we have grown to love in off-road. But uh, yeah, looks good. Was there a uh, control tire? Uh, yeah, so it was the Schumacher tires. So Schumacher capped us in the rear for two and four-wheel drive. And then mm-hmm. I think it was, you could choose between Fusion one or two for four-wheel. Mm-hmm. And then just a normal, like, sort of cut stagger. So are you guys allowed to, are you guys modifying these in any way or allowed to, or what are you doing? Just, uh, no, not basically just sort of out of the packet and sort of just glue it just as, are you straight on as many as you want? Or do you have a limit per day? Uh, no, as many as you want. If you wanted to do a set of run, you could have, but I mean, even me, uh, like I brought, you know, probably enough for maybe a set of run or so, but I only ended up actually using two, two sets and even even now my car i'm looking at it now on the floor and it's they're like they were happily the fronts are untouched and the rear are just starting to wear a little bit so okay so good 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 life if, if, with the tires and then the traction came up so that meant you can see it like you can see it in the track where the line the, the groove came up and the rubber was getting on in the carpet and it was probably making it better for you guys and um yeah but let's go through qualifying so we had arlowski Quelo hall lee martin fourth if you would have told me that he would have been in um, fourth, Daniel Kobovic, the giant Viking uh, Schumacher driver, Rock Champlain, Neil Craig. Now, did they have bump ups or did it was just 11 straight through to the main? No, they had 11 straight through to the main, right? Because it was three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no, no bump ups, but like 11 straight through into the main. So, OK, who is Josh Holdsworth? Yeah, so Josh and uh his brother Luke, they're some pretty quick uh, guys from the UK. So uh, they've actually they've been racing for even before me. But if they actually made, I think both of them made the Euros A final at Robin Hood last year. But yeah, they're some really fast youngsters uh, here in the UK. So they're Schumacher guys. Okay. So they're sort of flying the flag for us. So pretty, yeah. they're, they're really quick, though. Really quick guys. Okay. Marcus Carrop, who was super fast in. Um... Four-wheel driver, talking about that. Jamie Hall and the veteran, Jorn Newman, in 12th. Uh, big surprise here, Ryan Cavallari in 17th. What is going on with Ryan Cavallari? Look, he arguably, let's let's be read up, like Schumacher cars, that's like carpet. There's, come on. There's no excuse. What's going on with the Cavs? 17th, he's not even in the run. He didn't even look. Let's look at his numbers here. He had a 23. Hold on. He had a 23. Where are you, Cavallari? 
17th. He had a, a 23, a 18, a 10, a 16, a 12. He didn't even, he, he had one top 10. I did not expect this from Cavallari. Not on carpet, on dirt, but not on carpet. Yeah, Eve, I mean, a lot of us were pretty surprised, to be honest. I mean, I don't know, he just didn't look comfortable. And I do think to be the only credit I can give him is uh, he did have some rough runs with traffic. And I did see it, I did see it a little bit myself. But I mean, yeah, I guess just it didn't gel. And I guess it is what it is. I just find out, you know, we're in England, home of Schumacher, all the Schumacher guys around you, and you're in 17. I don't know, Kev, not looking good, not looking good, not looking good. All right, let's move on to, where? Are, where's my notes here? Um, who else was, okay, um, well, Pro Compton, Elliot Boots, he doesn't race. You, 25th, Will Venables right there. 25th and two-wheel drive, right behind Martin Beyer. So, you yeah, know, there you go. and then Kyle Moon and then Luke Holdsworth right there. Oh, good stuff. All right. Um, four wheel drive qualifying. So like Orlowski just like why? Like he just like he won all five rounds. Like that's it. He won all five rounds. Like just he was like, all right. So I didn't win everything in two wheel drive. I'm going to dominate four wheel drive. He went on to um, he Coelho, Carrop and Hall all got twos. Carrop ended up with two twos but uh in the end it was um where is four wheel drive her was Arlowski, Coelho, Karap, Tommy Hall, Brock Champlin, Bartek Zalowski who's very good very good Polish driver he need probably needs to get get it done more on two wheel drive Daniel Kobovic, Johnny Skidmore I think Johnny Skidmore now I said this I've said this before if Coelho is her on the ladder of x-ray Skidmore isn't too far behind in Europe. I think he's doing well as an eight-scale driver. You know, he's made, he made the world's main. He's made, he made, EO, did he made the main at EOS Workshop, I think, as well. He, uh, yeah, I think he, he might have done it in both classes at Workshop. Right, right. And now making the A main her at um, the EOS, the only, you know, I think that's, I think like Johnny Skidmore is on his way or is like, you know, like he's knocking on the door of like being a pro driver, I think. Like where he could be doing this for a living. Or maybe like a Neil Craig type of thing. It's probably like a Neil Craig now, I would say. So I give him some credit there. Misha Widmeyer, the so S-Works guy. Misha's been putting a lot of work for the S-Works. Neil Craig in 10th, Jamie Hall 11th. And let's see where Cavallari is. Oof. Lee Martin in 20th. Ooh, ooh, wow. I didn't expect that. Uh, ooh, I'm I'm still going and looking for Cavallari here, Will. No, no, I must have missed him. Must have missed him. Must have missed him. Oh, he was in 26. I don't know, man. That's not good. That's not good. All right, so Cavallari's out of the equation. Not any means. Brock's the only American in there. Um, but still, Brock's not lighting it on fire like he was at dawn. What what was what was up with Brock? What did you notice about him? I don't really know, to be honest. I mean, he seemed, I mean, he didn't, he definitely didn't have the dominance he did at EOS. I, I, I don't know if it's, it was the carpet, like, a, I think with everyone trying to get to grips from the beginning and then getting in there, if it's, because it was a, it was a lot tighter track compared to EOS. I, there, could, there could be many things. I mean, he didn't seem, I think in some of the mains, you know, he was starting to get up there in grid, in grid positions, but I think he just had just 
some mistakes and that's also, that's sort of really what cost him. I don't personally think he had the pace to win, but I mean he's still there and thereabouts. Like I think he was top five maybe in the end. I'm not sure. Like but yeah, I mean it, I think what the problem with the MK is it especially this time round, it was so, no one could really prepare for how it was going to be, especially with a carpet, and I can't emphasize that enough. So everyone was learning like from Q one to like to the end, even before we were, the track was still evolving, which is crazy for carpet because normally carpet is you just lay it down and that's it. But it was really different, and even for us Brits, like it was quite a different. It was way higher grip than, at least in my opinion, than EOS. Mm-hmm. So you know, it was crazy. What type how, of carpet like, is this that they're using then? So best way to describe it is like an office carpet, like it's got like the small loops in it, and it's really, it's really dense. So I don't know if it was because the rubber got laid down, like the, the grip came up or if like if the fibers started to loosen up and maybe there was a bit more like a bit more surface area for like the pins to grip into. So like uh, no one's really done it before, but kudos to the Silverstone Club. I think like it definitely was great towards the end. Like uh, I think everyone's a bit like surprised at the beginning, but I mean, oh man, like uh, <laughs> it was really fun to drive on, to be honest, like, uh, like I'm really looking forward to the Silverstone. They have like a winter series like, here in the UK. Like I'm really looking forward to it at the end of this year because I'll definitely be back on that stuff again. Sweet, sweet, sweet. That so they don't Silverstone doesn't use this type of carpet on a regular. Then I take it. Uh, no, it was literally the first time they uh okay. they didn't even do a race or club meeting with this carpet just to keep it fair mm. for everyone. Which, uh, to be honest, actually was actually quite good for everyone. All right, well. Here we go. This is uh, Raceway One. I was watching uh, some of their coverage as well. They actually didn't do the stream, but they did their their uh, videos and their coverage. And that's how I actually called all up. You can check them out at RacewayOne.com or check them out on Facebook. Good friends of Will. I uh, he's worked with them before. I really love this guy's commentating. He does a really good job. Sounds like cricket. Uh, this is the start of a one. We're gonna watch it while we talk about it because Bruno makes an excellent move at the start here. Let's see, is Scotty talking? I oh, know we can't even hear it. Uh, you could just about see, yeah, Bruno makes that move right there. And I was just like, whoa, Bruno is good. He's going to kill it. He's going to kill it. So he gets out to this lead and you're thinking, all right, it's going to be Bruno. But Coelho, I mean, Arlowski's right behind him. That was a sneaky move by um, Coelho, I would say. Kowalowski's sleeping right there. What do you think about it, Will? Oh, you're watching the race. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, it's actually a little bit slow on my end. But, uh, well, I mean, it was a pretty fair pass, to be honest. There was a gap, and he, he took it. And I think, well, I noticed, especially on carpet, it's just, like, you got to, sometimes you've got to take that, to take whatever you can. I definitely think mm-hmm. a lot of the younger guys, they do it a little bit too liter- literally, and it ends mm-hmm. up in a lot of, like, takeouts or whatever. But, I mean, Bruno, I mean, he's definitely cleaned up his driving in the last, like, well, he's always been a pretty good driver. Maybe the when he won his first worlds he was a little bit like controversial but especially recently he's been a really i think a really fair driver and he took that move pretty well yeah he's made he, he i remember when i had him on the podcast it's like he's made he made a conscious effort to improve that and not be you know obviously we had jq had the cft and all that stuff not cft cf c-a-t c-t-o sorry um but yeah this is where he makes his first mistake um this was Coelho's. Uh, issue the whole entire race he was just making these tiny about well, the whole entire event that i saw all the mains he would he would be so fast he'd make these little mistakes get back up 
and then make another mistake or, you know, and recoup and end up in a podium position. So he made a mistake there. And then he actually makes a mistake there again later on. He actually collected Tommy Hall in that one. But Tommy was able to, he, Bruno, somehow Bruno was able to keep in, being second. And also um, Tommy staying there. But you see, coming right behind them there, that third orange car, it like a Jaguar stalking its prey, is the Wiley veteran and part-time racer and your teammate, Neil Craig. Isn't, isn't he like a multi-European champion and stuff like that too? Something like that. Yeah, he's a... Uh... He's a he, well, I think it was two thousand five. He's a world, world champion too, right? He is. He is yeah. a world champion and like multiple like European champion. He uh, we joke about it in the group. I mean, he's literally basically the goat like uh, here in the UK. Like you can't really say otherwise. Uh, yeah, Coelho, as Scotty would say about JQ, Coelho crumpled like a week old biscuit just now. Uh, made another mistake, lost it. Um, Neil Craig still there in third, and there we have Arlowski. Just kind of looks like he's in cruise control, like he's going to take this and not be a problem. You know, like, yeah, I'm out to win it. I'm out to win it. Then um, they go like this for a few laps, and um, you'll see what happens here if you're watching this. But great A1. Well, you got to watch it to the end. It's really good. But yeah, let's talk a little bit, a bit more about Neil Craig. Part-time racer. Doesn't, you know, always been a part-time racer. Um, He's like 30. He's got to be close to 40 now, I guess, in the late 30s, I would say. But uh, he he's just there. Like in in This is a perfect example of, in my opinion, racecraft and just being in the right position at the right time. Like obviously being in the right position at the right time to get that lead, but showing the racecraft that he should to hold on to that lead for like 45 seconds was impressive. Uh, you'll see later on. But yeah, basically... Neil was hurling like he got in. He'll see it up here shortly where probably this lap where uh, Tommy Hall makes a mistake in the doubles and then Neil gets by. But at the same time, just off camera, uh, Arlowski kind of tucked it into the the hose right there. There we go. We can see it. There's Tommy Hall. He makes a mistake. Then you see Arlowski there. And then Neil <laughs> Craig, who is in the back lurking, just takes over. I, I remember when I saw this, I'm sitting there saying no freaking way neil craig is gonna win a1 of uh mkgp this wily veteran and then i watched him just he he caught like perfect racecraft in line he wasn't you know he slowed everything down he now he held them guys up and he won this race and i think all of england celebrated yeah like uh i mean there's a saying here like you can never count neil out and he's just he's one of those drivers where he's just got that He's definitely a part-time racer and like he's just got this he's just got that talent like uh he, he doesn't practice much and he's it's just sort of he stays there but yeah like it always seems like whenever Neil like uh makes a move or gets into the lead like the whole like of the UK like if you guys watch till the end of the video once he crosses the line like the whole like hall goes crazy like uh especially you know from 7th to to first like it was quite funny cuz I overheard I uh, saw one of my like a uh, teammates like Chris Bowden, like a uh, we he was like, oh, you know, if Kinvold can win it from eighth, then you know, I think Neil can do it. And then literally, like in the race, like Neil went from seventh to first. Sadly, he wasn't able to do it in the other two legs. But like, no, uh, I mean, still like, look at Lee Martin smiling. That. I wonder what he said. Is he smiling because uh, Craggy won, and then him and Kubovic? I don't know. But he goes right over to Craig. Yeah, he must be smiling because of Craig because he went right over to him. And shakes his hand. Them guys been racing against each other for a long, long time. Even Coelho is coming off there smiling. That's good to see. Um, that was a great A one. 
uh, I was all ramped up and excited and hoping for a similar performance. I was like, can Neil do it? Has he got the, has he got it in him? Can he do it? But uh, have I made a mistake here? Um, yeah, unfortunately, like I would say that um, A2 was exciting. Coelho and Orlowski got out. They were battling each other. Coelho was right behind him. But then again, made that, I think he made that mistake on that double, like that double on the far side. And then that just cost him. And that ended up um, allowing, uh, oh, let's see, who is it? Or I have my, where's my notes here? Sorry. Uh, two a drive. Yeah. Coelho battled for most of the race, but uh, he made that mistake on that double. And that kind of just allowed Orlowski to kind of cruise control to the end, take A1. And then A3, once again, same thing. Orlowski kind of got up to the front. Well, obviously, he started on pole. Him and Coelho had a battle. Again, Coelho made a mistake. Name of the game for Coelho this whole weekend was he made too many mistakes. I mean, like, I do have to sort of, like, defend him in a way. Like, the track, it it was such a difficult track. And that those switchbacks before the double-doubles, because they're so straight in front of you, it's really hard to judge the depth. Because it's a high-speed corner, it caught a lot of people out. And there was a lot of, like, arm, there was a lot of uh, arms broken for that section as well. I mean, but the thing is, if you can get the line right and carry the speed, you can make so much time. And I think I was, I think especially in finals where, you know, you, especially Bruno's trying to catch Orlowski, like uh, you just, I guess he was just trying to give it all he can, but just, it is, it, it was a difficult section and even the whole track itself was really difficult. Yeah. A lot of people made mistakes. But this, this track also allowed for you to push and catch up with people because then we go to four wheel drive and we see Carrot like, so we go to four. Let's all right. So we go to four wheel drive. Let's hold on. Let's go through our top ten of two wheel drive, and then we'll our, our winners of there. So we had uh, no, that's call points. Sorry. So it was Arlowski, Coelho, Tommy Hall, Neil Craig, Daniel Kobovic, Brock Champlin, Jamie Hall, Jordan Newman, Marcus Carrup, Lee Martin, and Josh Holdsworth. That was your top eleven. That was your eleven you know, finals after the three A mains. Then we went to four-wheel drive me. Oh, so tell us how that works. So they take, they af, right immediately after this race, the eight, the last two-wheel drive final, they go right into four-wheel drive and truck qualifying? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, just, for, I think, just five minutes just to get a photo of the top three and then straight into, straight into four-wheel and trucks. That's basically how it goes on. You weren't running four-wheel drive or truck, though. You just did two-wheel drive, right? Yeah, uh, I only did two-wheel. So, but I was, but, Luckily, uh, my missus literally lives five minutes away from the shopping centre, so I was basically there for all of four wheel as well. To be <laughs> to be honest, I should have raced thinking back of it, but uh, like, but yeah, I was there for all of it. To be honest, well, you know, it's better to make your missus happy and not race, but so you're still there. Um, like we said, Orlowski TQ'd all five rounds. He started on pole, Coelho in second, and Carup third, I believe. Um. And that's how they would start off. A1 happened uh, of like this. And like you could tell, like, Arlowski's like, all right, I'm not going to lose this. He was driving out there. He wasn't taking any chances. But Coelho was just pushing from behind and once again chasing him and made that mistake. And that just like Carrot. But I can see like Carrot was faster. Right. I'm looking at him coming in the background like Carrot's got some pace on him. And once he got past, once he was able to get past Coelho, Man, it was like he just switched into beast mode. And I was like, I don't know how many championships this young guy is going to win. 
That's what I said when I saw him go. I I mean, he he just he he caught up to Orlowski and they had a great battle to the end of this race, I believe. Um, yeah, man. Tell us a little bit about this 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 guy. Like I him, he impresses me a lot. He really does. Yeah, I mean, Mark. I mean, Marcus is he's a really he's a really quiet kid, but I mean, holy holy crap! Like, the, I mean, he's got so much pace with that four wheel. It's a uh, it's absolutely it's absolutely unreal. I mean, even in those finals, every final, I think it wasn't. He was nothing like not even more than half a second each time. I think two of the finals, he was like point like a hundredth of a second something yeah, it was so stupid. close it was 80 like it was so it was yeah like yeah 81 and 82 maybe that was so close and even when he even when marcus did make a small mis- like bubble a mistake within like a lap he was sort of back there i mean he's got i know that. that's what was so impressive about him he would he would make mistakes but he was able to just come back from them so i i swear Arlowski must his sphincter must have been pulsating behind right because that kid was coming and he was trying his hardest to um to just get in front of him, man. And it just didn't happen. It was weird too because he ended up not even it, it in the end. He ended up coming third and not second. And Coelho came second, but Coelho won the last race. Um, second aim the 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 second A two was very similar. They got out to like Coelho and they, they got out to a battle. And then Coelho makes a mistake. Karap gets by, and he is hunting. Orlowski, like, I don't know, like a tiger hunting an antelope. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I got to give as well credit to Michael like, to, to keep all that pressure as well. Because I know Marcus, like, he, he he will take any opportunity and, not, like, not even in a bad way. Like, you know, like how Quello made that move on Orlowski in A1. Like, you know, he will take a move and, you know, Orlowski, he didn't really let, leave a room at any point. So... I mean, that just shows, like, how, I mean, unreal these guys are. Like, especially Marcus and Orlowski, Bruno, like, you know, it was so close. And, I mean, and I, I mean, I thought at points, you know, maybe it would have been a few takeouts, but no, nothing, to be honest, especially. No, there wasn't no three. real takeouts. He There's did, well, him and, him and, uh, well, that's where he passed. When, so I did notice that um, he was the only one that I saw that would really struggle. That jump in front of the driver's stand, Coelho struggled with that. So he came up, he got squarely. And then he missed it, and he went wide after the start finish. And then Carap, real quick, it looked like Carap hit him. You know, but I mean, I slowed it down. You saw Carap had the inside, and then Coelho hit, came in to cut in like that and hit him. And that's when he went over like that. It, real quick, it looked like Carap hit him, but it was really he had the inside. It was it was Coelho that hit him, to be honest. And but I think you can't like Coelho can't be making these mistakes not with these young kids, not with these young drivers. Not gonna. They're gonna pounce on that stuff. They're gonna. They're not gonna. They're gonna pounce and not look back. I mean, look at what what he, what he done. Uh, so they, again, a two great fight between Orlowski. You guys can watch all of this on Raceway One. I can't remember the other. It was DDRC TV. I have to get the link for that as well. Yeah, but DDRC. I think that's the. That's what it was. Those were the guys. That's what it was. Um, you guys need to watch this because this kid is flying like. Uh, A3 came along, Brock Chaplin shows up. You know, Arlowski wins it. He doesn't have to. It, let, hold on. A2 was so close that freaking Arlowski looked at him and was like, oh man, that was a good race. Like, he must have been like, I'm so glad I did that. And two races didn't have to go to A3. I think this, I think that this kid plus a few of Tommy Hall's 
and Noah, all these young guys, I think these these young guys they're gonna be they're, they're gonna be giving the Arlovskis, the Coelers, the Wendy Ongaras and Ronafogs get on these tracks, they're gonna be giving these guys some headaches, Bill. The headaches, they're gonna be beating them. They're gonna it's not I, the future of carpet racing in Europe right now in the next five years is looking extremely awesome. Yeah, I think it's what what kind of notice like when I uh even when I started doing EOS like in 2015, like everyone like in the you know EOSA means they were kind of like you know the factory fully paid, but like you know, these are guys like basically you know adults, like you know, mid-20s, like uh, in their 30s. But now it seems like even though the EOS last gone, like half of them are like damn kids, like in this a in these A mains, and it's like it's crazy. Like I don't know what's happened in the like in the last few years, but all these like younger kids, like they can all like they can at points like keep up or even beat some of these top guys. And I think that's really great for the sport because it means there's there's gonna be fresh blood and really good competition coming in the next few years. So these I mean, yeah, kids, when they get to that are... level, when they get to that level where like Arlovsky and those guys, well, I shouldn't say that level. I mean, Kyrop is a is a champion, a European champion, and so is Tommy Hall. But that they, they're only them. I I, I say I say drivers like them, Barkan Ankelik in eight scale, cup little bump in eight scale, and a couple of these young drivers around the world, they're developing a, a driving skill that these older drivers aren't going to be able to repeat, in my opinion. You know, that, that, you know, that's like when we, we thought, like, we came out, like, when I was younger, if you turned your wheels that way and that way, you was a star. You know, then, oh, wow, you can do a whip, you can do this, now we're scrubbing, and, you know, we figured out all this stuff, but these, these, these young drivers, their, refle- their reactions are too fast. Doug taking it to a whole another level. I saw it at the Worlds with Barkan, and those younger guys, like Barkan, Daniel Parente, all those young guys, right? But this is the 10-scale version. And Carrop, because I watched Carrop drive as well. Very impressive. A3, Brock shows up. He finishes second. Coelho takes the uh, takes one. He ends up taking, that gives him second for, for overall for four-wheel drive. Arlowski takes the sweep. Carrop in third. Brock Chapman fifth. Tommy Hall fourth. Kobovic seventh. Bartek Zalowski, who's another young fast driver up and coming. Sixth, uh, seventh, sorry. Johnny Skidmore eighth. Neil Craig ninth. Jamie Hall ninth. And Mika Widemeyer eleventh. That ends we your MKGP. Uh, it did look like A3 of four-wheel drive. It wasn't as many spectators there. I guess everybody who was going home was later on in the evening. Did you stay for A3? Yeah, I did. I mean, the problem was because uh, in the UK, most shops on a Sunday will shut around 4 o'clock. And I think by the time A3 was on, it was already like 4.30. So okay. that's, that, okay. was, that was the reason why there was less spectators. Okay. Well, tell me a little bit, Will. Tell me what some of the experiences that you had from there, maybe some stories, something you had heard, any rumors, anything that impressed you at this race? <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, no rumors or anything as far as I'm aware. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think I have a feeling this carpet might be something that will start to take off a bit. Because I think that EOS stuff has been great, but I think it's something that where like it wears out it goes through a phase where it's amazing and it's higher and tire wear and it's high grip but then it's also drop off but i mean obviously it was only one event but i feel like this new carpet is going to might be something that be more people starting to use and i think things are going to get even quicker because it's higher grip so i think you know cars i mean we're going faster already and i think now maybe with this carpet things are going to get going to go even to another level i can really see that happening 
Maybe some. Do you think that EOS should do something like this in a mall somewhere? Do you think yeah, it's feasible uh, for I them think, to do it? I I think they should, and I'm really surprised they haven't considered doing a collaboration with a uh, Silverstone and the Milton Mil- Keynes guys. Mm-hmm. So I know. Uh, I mean. They have, they have to pee. They have, they will have the numbers. Like people mm-hmm. will one hundred percent do it with the numbers. So I don't think cost wise will be an issue because I think they'll recoup that. But I think it's something they one hundred percent should do. And I think even like a, I did a EOS a few years ago at like a it was a motorsports expo, and that was and that was amazing because that was sort of a similar thing but in Poland and like that was great because not only did we have like a car show we we could go around to when we went racing, but it was a great way also to get a race out, out there. So I think maybe, you know, one thing that'd be great for the future. I mean, even if EOS did this or even other events, like more events oh, like, should should try to capitalize and host a race within events. And like most of the time, I mean, I don't know the cost, but I can imagine like, obviously it's a headache to get stuff there, but mm-hmm. I think, I think that's something that will be really good for the sport. And it gives also makes the races feel like they're in a, different atmosphere some is way bigger and it also gives you something to do when you're not racing yeah i i suggested this um so uh so they have uh in the american now raw has a they started last year they have a dark nationals and they have a carpet nationals right i would like i mean i i said to the uh, president clayton i was like did you see that i said yeah that's cool i said that's what raw needs to do i said you got carpet nationals put it in a mall somewhere like you know like that's I hope like this as much as I love one eight scale nitro buggy racing, this this is the type of stuff that's gonna bring racing to people. It's gonna get more people into racing. In my opinion. Taking it to the people, showing pe- people see, this is the one thing that we 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 fail to realize. The most important thing in RC is people. Right. Without people, we can't do anything. Without people, we can't have interests. Without people, we can't have tracks. Without people, we can't have racing. But we never put no focus on getting more people or showing more people what we do. But events like this help it. You know, so many it everybody says if you build a track, this would happen and this will happen. This no, I I think it's vice versa. Yes, building tracks help get people racing and stuff like that too. But you can have too many tracks. And then that dilutes and there's, there's too much focus on tracks and not having people. But uh, I think this is an excellent event. I think we should have more races like this. It should be just these two classes, two-wheel drive, four-wheel drive. It doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out truck, too. You know, it doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out thing where you're there all day. Make it exciting. Cater this event to spectators. Have things set up so they can do it. Sim- like Divisions Race does the similar thing for eight-scale. Uh, maybe not as many people because it's in a bigger, like a big area where people are doing their own thing. But for one ten scale, this is what we should be striving for in America at some point. Like, in my opinion, and more races like EOS, BRCA should be striving. Effort should be trying to have a, a worlds. I mean, a worlds. We should have a worlds. Well, that probably too bit too much. It's a little long, but you know, like let's try and get some more of these races in areas or alongside events. I hope so. I hope so. But otherwise, it looks like a great event. I really want to come there next year. Uh, kudos to everybody involved that done it. Kudos to the B, uh, to uh, the Silverstone crew. I hope they do it again next year. I hope to be there, and even just to every like the BRCA for being involved with it and whatnot like that. So, Will, anything you want to say before we talk a little bit of worlds? Me, Max, and I talked worlds. I want to. You're going. 
And I want to get your opinion. The tires are out. People are freaking out. What's your thoughts on this, Bill? As a European British person going to America, this should be a first time going to America to race, right? Uh, yeah, first time to go. So, oh man. You nervous? Gotta... No, you got AKA clay slicks, no sauce. I think I think you Europeans are in a in a, in a very a pickle. I think I think people like who used to go over and run, <coughs> excuse me, the Reedy race are fine. They'll be all right. But guys like you who haven't raced on this type of surface, yeah. Uh, well, I kind of have two opinions to this as a European. I think the first thing, I mean, I guess in a way, like I don't want to say it's. Like on us, like it's unfair because like we don't source, but it's just we just don't do it. So we haven't got any experience doing it, and it's not something we do here. Like we do, we don't even have like sort of it's not anywhere relatively close or somewhere I could buy tire source from. So in a way, it's like a kind. But there's no source allowed at this race. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, so that's why I'm like, to be honest, it's like fair and fair enough. Like it's not. I mean, I can see what I do that, but do you have a? The other thing I'm kind of like, I don't see what I didn't do was maybe have a spec source like the Reedy race because it works. I agree with you. Have a because spec I think, yeah, because I feel like, in my opinion, like these slicks are designed to be sourced, and then you're racing in America. And I feel like America now is about source, and that's how you get like me as a European. I want to go out to America and have the proper experience and do it properly. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, will I be a bit behind on the tire game? Yeah, but like I mean, myself, you know, I'm an associated. Well, I'm associated driver for CML, but I, you know, I know through Neil and Lee and so on. So I'll be able to hopefully figure it out and stuff. I mean, I, but that's just me. I don't know about the others. So like, but you know, maybe I'll be able to obviously talk to some of the American guys and maybe they would help me out, which I'm sure they would. So but that, I mean, yes, in my opinion, that's sort of the one of the two ways I think it should go. I understand why. They haven't done the source way, but now I'm a bit, a bit skeptical because it's a clay tire, and like I've heard guys are, you know, some laps it feels like the car's gripped up as anything, and then some laps the car feels like it's broken, and that's with source. So now it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a weird one to see what's gonna be like without source at the worlds. Mm-hmm. But I mean, but I'm really excited for it. Like uh, I've never been to America to race, so do you think really do you think the fast Europeans will still be faster? Do you think we'll see Orlowski? You think we'll see a Carup, uh, Tommy Hall, maybe making these finals? Maybe a person like Craggy, Rana Falk, Ongaro? I still, I still think it's going to be the guys that have had experience with Source at least before will have mm-hmm. the best chance. I mean, I don't know if the guys like Kirup will, they will be fast for sure. But I mean, it, I have to use a bit of logic here. Like, do I think they'll be? At the top, uh, I don't know, to be honest with you. I mean, they have the skills to do it, but like the problem is... No experience on this type of surface. I don't, exactly. But I mean, now, again, because it's not sourced, and we, we in Europe, you know, we have a good mix of really high grip and then and fairly low grip as well. So we might be okay. But obviously, a lot of the Americans have been a hobby, and I mean, the Americans are quick. So Spencer you know, dominated there. Yeah, I mean, yes, Spencer. Yeah, you know, there's Spencer, then there's Mayfield. I feel like Mayfield, he will have a really good chance because he's got the confidence. I think, like, at a Worlds, even if you're a really good driver, at, I mean, I feel like even if you're a really good driver and you go to, like, a a Desert Classic or, like, the old Reedy Race or whatever, 
it's still different to a Worlds because a Worlds, like, mm-hmm. you, anything can happen. And, like, if you have that experience with Worlds, like someone like Mayfield does or even Neil and so on, I think that's so that's such a good, that's so valuable to have because Worlds are, so, as they, I mean, I'll never win a Worlds, but, you know, it's obviously one of the hardest things to win an RC, so. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's going to be interesting. I hope to be there. Uh, it's going to, I'm sure this tire talk and everything that's, it's going to be a lot of, a lot of this leading up to September. I'm sure there's going to be like people out there right now testing, trying, figuring out things. I'm sure there's going to be some sort of sauce drama if they don't have a spec sauce, but I did listen to Jake on the extra lap podcast and they seem very, they, I'm pretty sure they had an idea what tire they were going to use when he made this interview, but they seem to have, uh, they're going to put on a very professional event. I'm looking forward to it. Um, what I would like to see is uh, more American companies maybe looking at this MKGP as a, v- like, look, let's be honest. This race is good for RC. And I think that the manufacturers should get behind it. And this shouldn't, they should be sending the top American talent over to this race. I understand that there's a lot of races going on, but I would love to see uh, Aiden Horns, the CFTs, Dakota Fens, the Mayfields, the Rivkins, uh, Tessman come to this race. And I hope, I, and I think, I think there's a lot of things that the Americans will like this race. Why? One, it's not already a, a track, existing track. They don't, they always say that Europeans have a more, adva- more of an advantage because the track's been there for a while. This is 10 scale, doesn't really happen. Two, it's, it's in a mall where you can get so much exposure for your brand. We need to grow RC. And three, we need to see more Europeans. I mean, the Europeans come over to the Florida carpet race. It's a destination where they come. It's time for the Americans to come over. Uh, and I, I would, I think with the exposure that this has got with Scotty coming over there, and I think this race, this last one, this last event, this last weekend is going to push it over that level where we see some of these drivers come. I really do. I think we're going to see a contingent of, just like we see a contingent of European guys and, and whatnot come to the Florida race and to DNC, we're going to see a contingent of, it's probably just going to start with just regular guys coming over there to, to race it. So um, I hope so. I would love to see Fender over there. Trust me. I would love to see all them guys over there. Yeah, I really, I think, it'll be, I think it'll be great if we get like the Americans to come over. And then because like, even when I used to come to the, some of them, you come to the EOS, it like, it mm-hmm. was, I think it was really good for like for the RC scene. And like, I think Europe has a unique carpet sort of a unique carpet scene. And I think it'd be great to have the Americans over. And then like, I think it'd be great for everyone because I feel like you know, the Americans and the UK and uh, the Europeans don't race that much. Mm-hmm. And I think it'd be great to see more of it. And it'll, I think the Europeans go to America a lot more than the Europeans come over to America. Yeah. I mean, I can't argue with that. I mean, also it's cheaper, a little bit cheaper, and I get it. Like, I, I it's a lot of it's like it's a lot of people's dream to go over and do a really race, or it's a lot of people's dream to go over and do a DNC, right? But it, Europe just doesn't have that race anymore. It was Neo before. Neo was that race that everybody wanted to go. So we need a race. We need a race like like that for ten scale. We need a race like that for uh, one eight scale, in my opinion. But um, good job. What's next for you, Bill? What are you doing after this? What, what's your next race? Well, I mean, for us in the next two weeks, sort of the the regionals start, the nationals mm-hmm. start. So that's sort of where I'm going to be. And then probably towards the end of 
uh, August, I'm going to start preparing for the Worlds. I don't really have a, I mean, I have an ape scale. I have a few ape scale tracks close by, but I mean, I might try to get some practice. But yeah, I mean, just going to enjoy it and, you know, do the best I can throughout the year and and obviously enjoy it at the end of the day and, and yeah, get ready for the for the big W and, or not. I mean, the world's not the win. So <laughs> there's no way I, no way in hell I'm winning that. I have another question for you, and it's about these young guys, and Max and I touched on it. And you see these young guys in Europe, like that we talked about, the Holes and the Carabs and the Ben Noham, Ben Mohammeds and all this, these guys, the, uh, what's the other young guy? Um, it's the S-Works driver. I met him. Oh, uh, Mika. No, the other one. Mika's too, but he's, I'm talking about oh, younger. Clement. Um, Clement Boda. Sorry, how could I forget his name? Uh, these young guys, he's a little older, but we see, I mean, Max and I said it. We have a 14-year-old European champion and a 16-year-old European champion, right? When was the last time? And America doesn't seem to happen like that. You know, yes, Rivkin was like 15-year-old world champion, right? Young, but we haven't seen anybody since then. But here in the, in the UK, you have in, in Europe, you have a player for these young guys. You know, you have a guy from England who's a world champion, and not, I'm sorry, European champion, and then you have the guy from Denmark. And they've gotten better like since then. They're not dropping off. So we we kind of thought about it. And we just, you know, my buddy and I were talking about it. And it came down to we thought like concentrated, not spreading yourself thin over so many classes is key. Because I think like in the UK, obviously in Europe, two-wheel drive is the most popular 10-scale class. I don't think you run four-wheel drive every time you go club race, right? You run two-wheel drive. Yeah, right. that's basically the UK thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a European thing. Uh, it they also only focus on like nitro buggy. Now they have obviously that's they have the uh, nationals for that in the UK, but I mean the, the kind of proofs in the pudding like not less focus over a variety of classes, focus on one or two classes and being really good at them and being really good at them and becoming European champions, and then some of these guys go on to be world champions. Yeah, I definitely think that's part of their success. I mean, I can speak for this more. For the UK guys like Tommy and Jamie, and I'm not not so sure about Mark Marcus, but like in the UK, the ten scale scene is so easily accessible. Mm-hmm. Like I know, even for me, I have five, maybe even six tracks in the perimeter of an hour, and even for the halls, they have like a they're not too far from any tracks as well. And I think some of like I think my furthest national is only maybe maximum three hour drive. So I think with us, like. Not only is there so many di- tracks and different types of tracks around us, you know, we also have really great competition, especially with Neil. Like Neil, still, I mean, he's still mm-hmm. winning our nationals, and you know, Lee's. Like, I think Lee's starting to bounce back a lot as well. Even Michael mm-hmm. comes to our nationals now. So I think it's when you race, like anyone knows, when you start racing against these like better drivers, it obviously you can become such a better driver because you're starting to push yourself a lot more. I mean, like. Marcus has a lot of the European races, I believe. So I think it's, although he hasn't, I don't, I don't know what the de- uh, racing scene in Denmark is like, but there's obviously a lot of tracks around Europe. And I know Marcus's dad, Jonas, I believe he was a European. I think he's champion. a two-time European champion. Yeah, I know he was, he was very, he was very quick. And I, he was actually telling me a lot of stories at dawn about it. So I think that's part of the, I think that's another reason why, a lot of these Europeans are getting so quick as well as how easy accessible it is now as well. I think that, I think that comes from uh, in the UK and, and I think the Americans have to kind of adapt this as well. Semi-permanent tracks. I think that's, 
because of the size, and also UK is a lot smaller, much more condensed. You get Iran more of the uh, RC scene more. Obviously, the American RC scene is so spread out. But a track for a carpet track, you don't have to have a dedicated hall and a dedicated building and all that stuff. You can, I think that that model of RC track needs to catch on a bit. It's starting to, but it needs to catch on a bit more in America, sorry, in America where you go in and you set up for that night or you set up just for that weekend. So I hope that it does, that will bring more tracks and more people to, and get, make it easier for people. Uh, hopefully uh, some of EFRA and some of these other federations, the EOS, Roar, and all these people that have carpet racing, see what's going on here with the MKGP and uh, we replicate that around the world, not just in uh, Europe and America, but wherever there's racing. And I thoroughly hope that the Americans pay attention and send some of their top drivers over to this race next year, because this race is, is, is banging, it's getting popular, and I can only see it growing from here on out. No, seriously. Yeah, well, yeah. No, I, I agree. I think it'll, it'll be amazing to get more of the Americans over. I think, like, a, I mean, from what I see, the EOS this year is, oh, there's only two rounds, sort of, and they're both in Germany, which is a, a little bit disappointing. But, like, so, you know, it will be great if maybe MK sort of filled that void and got a lot of it. Now, like, you know, they got a lot of international guys at this one, and I can't see why next year mm-hmm. they can't get even more. And I think the guys deserve it. Like as you and me know, there we started. Well, I started a lot of my racing there, and I have a, a a bit of a soft spot for them, for that club because uh, that's how I feel. Like I came mm-hmm. when I was a racer, but like mm-hmm. they've been around for years, and like they took the initiative to to do this race, and it was pretty. It was flawless. Like there was not really any complaints about the race itself. That's good. The weekend. That's good. That's good. That's good. And they work together with the federation. That's what I like to see. Perfect. Yeah. Exactly. Oh. Exactly. All right, my and well, that's another thing. They have proper working federations, but Raw's working on that. Will, thank you for your time. Uh, it was a great chat about the race. I'm sure you'll be back on this podcast at some time. There's a lot more racing going on. Um, I really enjoy our chats. I Max wanted to be her. If you would have done this yesterday, Max would have been her. He's like, I'm gonna try and come tomorrow. I was like, Max, if you don't come, it's all right. He he enjoys having another European one that isn't Joseph to talk with. So, um, thank you for your time. I'm glad you went. Um, enjoy your weekend off from racing and good luck at your, your next race, man. Yeah. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me on. All right. And, uh, Hey, we'll see each other at the worlds. I think, I think we'll see each other at worlds. Maybe next year at this race. If not. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm sure either way, you know, we'll meet up like all time. Sweet. Thanks. We'll talk to you later. Thanks so much. Cheers guys. Thank you, Will, for your time. Uh, the MKGP looks awesome. Kudos to everybody out there that's putting in the work. I hope to be there next year. All right. So another big race that's coming up here from in May. Actually, the dates are May. I have them here. I think it's 12th to the 14th yeah. uh, being t- taking place at in Barcelos, Portugal. It is the fifth edition of the International Buggy Challenge. Uh, this is a great race. Uh, the Euros was at this track as well last year. It was... Uh, was it like did they use did, did they do one day was IBC and then the Euros after that I think that was the warm up yeah so oh, okay that was the warm up okay yeah 
Okay, sorry about that. But uh, basically, yeah, the International Buggy Challenge is coming up May 12th to 14th. Uh, it's going to be a great event. There's a possibility I might be there as well. So I'm looking forward to this. All the top names in Europe are going. I know Ron Fox going, JQ's going, Badier. I heard everybody's going. I think it's the weekend after Silver State as well. But uh, check it out. If you're going to be there, uh, get in, sign up. Started yesterday. Uh, sorry, on the 14th. So check them out and thank you. Hey, man, I think this race is great. I think the track is, is awesome and I hope to be there myself. That's right. Hey, man, I, I, I think I really want to go to this race. So I think I might go. Yeah, I think, like, I, I didn't go to the Euros. I got sick just before. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I just were like, I'm not going to risk it. And I skipped it. Uh, but hearing from everyone, the venue was absolutely amazing. And mm-hmm. uh, I know the Figueroa's are really passionate about RC. So they have put a lot of time into it. The track looks really cool. It's been I'd say it's been the biggest race in Europe, like since like the, because this was the one, only big race that went on during COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the the lockdowns just dropped and they could hold this race then and like that. Yeah, this was the biggest race and yeah. Since then, I've been like kind of looking forward to watching this race. Obviously, I wanted to go for the Euros, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's a it's a really nice race. I might be there. I might be there. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, all right, Max. So you wanted to, we're going to conclude this, this race. Um, also, sorry, I'll leave links for sign up and all of that in the written description. If you wish, wish to do that, links to their Facebook as well. Um, so you wanted to close off on this because JQ mentioned it last week. Uh, he made a video about this. Everybody's talking about it. The Hall brothers have got a great YouTube channel, by the way, and they made a video about upside down shocks. So let's hear what you yeah. have to say, Maximus. Yeah, let me get some. Let me get some pictures here. Oh, Max, you're supposed oh, to have no. all of this prepared. And I'll see you got no camera, so you can't use your hands to tell us how you're doing. Yeah. Why doesn't this work? Am I doing something wrong? Doing so, you, you, the stream yards got you all messed up. It didn't show up on the thing. Okay, let me try again. It's actually that you know what that video by JQ was actually really good. I I watched it. You know I don't really like all that science weird stuff. I shouldn't say I don't like it. I just heard so much. I get I don't look for it. But his editing it was funny. It was a good video. It was a great video. We got it. Okay, are we good? Yes. Okay, finally. So it all started from this. You know, Hall brothers made the video. Uh, they had been running like this. Then there was uh, um. No, that's the wrong one. This one, um, Ben Mohammed from France, he was running it like this, uh, posted on Facebook. This was like, um, I talked about it in a podcast like a few weeks ago, I think like before DNC and all that. So then, you know, this guy, Joseph, makes a video about it. Um, 
and really uh, goes goes in on this on the internet. Everyone's talking about it. And then at the MKGP, you have Cairo running his shocks upside down, finishing third in four drive. He's running both front and rear. And then you have Elliot Boots even running S-Works, shocks upside down. And I don't remember if other brands ran the shocks upside down. But basically, it's a full-on spread of this virus right now. If you want like an in-depth explanation of why this isn't probably the best idea, um, or why there might be better solutions, you can watch the Joseph's video, which is, yeah, it was good. But there was a few things I wanted to add that Joseph didn't really dig too deep into in the video. Like, one thing about this is that what is, like, counterintuitive is the fact that effectively all you are doing by moving the shocks down or the upside down like this, apart from, yes, there is a minor, you know, moment of inertia and uh, center of gravity change. Apart from that, all you're doing is just adding unsprung weight, which effectively means is you're reducing damping. So the car, car works as if you had like worse shocks or less shocks. Okay. So all the things you want to do with the shocks, now you're doing less of, you know, balancing the car over bumps or jumps or even in the corners, the damping doesn't work the same. The springs do work the same, but the damping doesn't. Um, well, actually, the springs even work a bit differently because you have less um, or more unsprung weight. So that is, I it's 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 funny because this kind of stuff always happens. Like people do something that's just not within the laws of physics, and then it works better for a reason but they don't realize the fact that why it works better is because something else is wrong. And yeah, Joseph provided some good solutions to that in, in his video, which I, I believe are just going to be much better. And one thing like you could just lay down your shocks more, if you want it more progressive, less, less smoother damping, which effectively this kind of does, that could be one solution you're looking after. Uh, that would also lower your center of gravity. Um, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a kind of, like, to be honest, I'm just a bit disappointed, you know? And you are on Let mute. me unmute myself. So right away, Joey Fisher sends me a, sends this, sends me a post and tells me to send it to JQ. Oh, the whole brothers, everybody's running their shocks upside down at the MKGP and da, 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 da. So, I mean, well, you just saw Karap's picture. I mean, he's going full upside down, front and rear. Mm-hmm. Boots is running it. I wonder if um, the guy who won all of this was running upside down shocks. Oh, but, Michael, Michael Orlowski? But, but. No, no, we no cannot, not the Schumacher guys. Okay. So we down. cannot argue that Karap was extremely fast and Hall, that, uh, he, you know, he was third. Tommy Hall. He was yeah, third in, in, that, in qualifying. But that is the thing. I don't doubt that they are doing, like, I don't doubt that they are having some placebo or whatever. 
they most likely are getting better lap times and so on with the setup like this. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it. Okay. But the thing is just that uh, I guess this I mean, was just an easy solution for them. Yeah, but I think the, the point Joseph was trying to make was there are better ways of doing mm-hmm. Um And I think it just, it's kind of like, it, it is kind of annoying when people go for the sort of the Band-Aid set up first. Like one thing I absolutely hate is people saying like, oh, I like my car heavy because it's easy to drive. Well, have you thought maybe you could actually change the setup and make it easier to drive that way. Uh, it's, yeah, it, it, it's, so, I have a video about the, the weight too on my channel, so you can go check that out. Have it sounds under, like to like, me, it sounds like to me that you and Jealous and your engineer brain, you and, and Jealous, sorry, you and J, Jealous JQ, uh, <laughs> sorry, in your engineer brains, look at this like and I, I like blasphemy almost like i don't know like what, <laughs> I, I, I mean like you guys are like i can see you and jq just sitting there like you know and um just freaking out like because your engineer brains are like they should do this and they should do that and they should do that but i mean if this works this works right yeah i'm uh, the, the the reason why i'm having such difficulty going like full on this absolutely sucks like screw you guys you don't know what you're doing is because they are like i cannot argue against the fact that it is a pragmatic solution you know it most likely will do what they are looking for and it will help them. But the fact that when that works on your car, we, I, my brain goes, okay, there's something wrong with the car. You know, when you have to put an extra weight on your car, in my brain, it's like, a, you know, oh, there's something wrong with my car. When I have to do some, um, solutions that technically aren't not like doesn't provide me like i cannot logically explain why they would work better uh in in the laws of physics so to say then i know something in what i'm doing is wrong and you know i'm just correcting that wrong thing with what i'm adjusting like here the shocks in some scenarios adding weight to the car um, and yeah, that's that's the the reason why it's so hard because I don't I don't argue against the fact that they are getting bes- better results like this, but just that it's like the fact that they're happy with the situation. That's what that's what frustrates me, and also the fact that people are gonna be like, "Oh, it worked! It's kind of great! I'm gonna do it too!" And then they have no clue what they do. Are you afraid that we're just gonna see a whole bunch of cars with upside down shocks? Oh, 100%. Like Boots, he did it. Probably, like, just tried it because he saw Hall Brothers do it. And in the end, he was running his four-wheel drive shocks the normal way around. So, we shall see. We shall see. I hope they make a a rebuttal video. I like. I I think so, too. I think, like, absolutely, like, uh, I think think, uh, it's good the way Joseph put it. Like mm-hmm. it's uh it's like they need to try it. And I, I think like no no offense to 
Kara, Paul Hall protest, they had good results, obviously. It's not like they... I, I mean, I bet they would have worse results if they ran their shocks the normal way around. Like, I think that's pretty sure. But I think this is a great opportunity to sort of go one step further. You do this, you realize you're doing better, and then you're like, okay, let's actually do it like the right way around and you still make it better, you know? Uh, even better than what they're doing now. And that's what Joseph said in his video too, which is absolutely the right thing. And I think I think the whole brothers are actually going to take up on his. I hope they do. His, I hope they um, do. Recommendation. When, they're, when they're busy from not doing well, Max and Joseph. No, but I'm <laughs> When they're not busy from doing well. Um, we shall see, man. These, these, I like them. I met him and his dad, Tommy and his dad at the FCC. I haven't met the older brother. So, hey, I don't know. Yeah, hey, and I, I hope we got a rebuttal just because I want to see if they've tried JQ's stuff. Yeah, I have. And to me, it's actually interesting because oftentimes, you know, me and JQ especially, like we can test stuff. And the thing is, we know what's, what, what we're testing. So it's hard to be like, oh, I feel this. Because you are in your mind, you're fighting for that feeling. You're fighting like, what does it change? And also, we are not like European champion drivers. You know, we are fast, but we are not who can take the last like five tenths out of the car. Uh, like someone like Tommy Hall is like he can win an European championship against the fastest in Europe. So to get and that has always been a thing Joseph has learned uh, what we discussed last summer, what he's learned with David, because he's such a talented driver that he you just have to do some things to make him so that he can make the car work 100% for him so that's why to me it's also interesting to see Tommy and or the whole both of the whole brothers try it out and then hear what they have to actually think about so I I absolutely hope that they do it and yeah and I'm actually I watched I think pretty much all of their videos at this point and they are doing a really good job and I really like the attitude so I just yeah. for en- entertainment's sake, I'm I'm like waiting for. Yeah, that's what I want to see. Yeah. I want to see a good old, I want to see a good old nerdy YouTube fight. Um, yeah. not a fight, but you know what I mean. Yeah, um, but it's, so, it's like the thing is, this is the good type of fight because yeah, it's yeah. all it's like helping each other. Challenges. Yeah. yeah all right. You see this a lot in the bachelor world, like com- uh, collaborations yeah, with different yeah. YouTube celebrities yeah. and stuff like that. And yeah, we definitely need because like. The whole brothers are like the first generation to be living in the TikTok era, like mm-hmm. bring, like growing up in the TikTok era. Like if you look at like David and Omaro, Omaro is first of all, he's like maybe a little bit different culture because it's from South, South Europe. And then David is a little bit too old. But like the whole brothers, they understand like how YouTube works and, and stuff like that. So they are like, they're kind oh, yeah. of like the... See- you can see it in the, the the channel. Yeah, and it's like the first Gen Z, you know, RC pros. Like they are kind of that. I mean, I'm Gen Z, but I'm not a pro. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right, I think that's enough, Max. We've been good. It, it's been good to chat with you again. Um, yeah, I had a blast this podcast. Thank you for your time. Um, thank you, Will, for your time. Thank you, everybody that sent in the questions for us. Uh, I know a lot of you guys have been seeing my posts on Facebook and and all this type of stuff. 
Um, I think a lot of you are kind of missing the point. I'm gonna have a point. I have a point for that. I really, I really, I release that next week because I have a few more posts to make as I'm recording this. Do you guys are missing one common denominator in this post that I'm making? Uh, so yeah, people who know will figure it out. Uh, Max, I think that's it. Uh, we're gonna call it a day. Um, I don't think there. I don't even know what's going on this weekend race wise. I haven't checked the calendar. I think it's going to be an off weekend for me and I'm going to the beach or something like that. We'll see. But um, yeah, I think, yeah, you guys enjoy your weekend of racing. Be safe. Uh, remember, spread the RC love. Everybody is an RC ambassador. I want to say thank you to the NNRC squad around the world. Remember, everybody, thank you for listening to us. Please hit that share button, share our stuff. If you haven't joined our YouTube yet, please do. We're trying to boost that. We want to get that up to 4,000. Uh, viewers, uh, sorry, a few th- 4,000 subs as soon as possible um, and and more. Uh, so hit that sub, like, notification, leave a comment. Sure. Yeah, we need that. We need that. If you're listening on the audio side, leave a review. It helps us out. Uh, thank you to these awesome companies. If you want to show the podcast support, you can. There are links for every one of these in the written description of this podcast. They are Invisible Speed, High Tech RC, Sun Pedal USA, Sidewinder Fuel, Mayaku, Beach RC, Techno RC, Clinic RC, Ignite RC, Ignite Design RC, Bringing Gas Truck Back, Racecraft R, Racecraft, I said Racecraft RC, Racecraft USA, uh, Car RC, I have some coupon codes, you can save some money off some other products in there, uh, WRC, shout out to House of RC, RCGP, shout out to our drivers, uh, our NNRC drivers, they are David Ronafalk, Jared Tebow, Robert Badier, and Alexander Hagberg, Max, I'm done. Nitro is the glory. E-Buggy pays the bills. If you ain't grinding the sliding. Goodbye, everyone. Max and Lefty out. We'll be back next week. And um, you all have a good weekend. Thank you for your time. One love.